0: Fucking fuck. Let's go, go do meditation, go do like, meditation. So I was like, I was
1: like, man, like, she's not going to be able to sit down. Mark,
0: music. masturbation. I'm like, uh, sort of wrap up. I want to get my religious frustration out. <laughs> I wasn't empathizing with Hitler. Like, fucking fuck. Only thing you want to do, Be a professor. Really, <laughs> <laughs> Clearly,
1: you've spent too much time on a phone <laughs> <laughs> These people are naked in the mud. What the shit is happening.
0: Fucking fuck. Alright, thanks for coming. This is the first episode of a new season. Um, SM Uncensored. So much Uncensored. So much Uncensored, that's what we call it. We're actually starting our first episode with a guest. A
1: special guest that Samim has been trying to get on for a while.
0: Oh, by the way, I'm Samim. Sometimes I forget to introduce myself. <laughs> we, we did a podcast before this one, and I think it, was, it took 20 minutes into the episode for us to actually remember we had to introduce ourselves. Yeah. And I'm Maz. Maz. Oh, yeah. So this Maz. is Maz. And our guest is Matt. Yeah, what's up? I'm Matt. This is Matt. And yeah. you guys don't need to know who he is until later on. But for now it's, it's just... very suspenseful. Samir, Maz and Matt. Three random dudes. Yeah, we have
2: a special guest. Is he just like one of your buddies? <laughs> Pretty much.
0: <laughs> Super <laughs> special. I got a, I got a contract. But anyway, <laughs> right now holding a Sapporo beer in my hand. It's it's three standards. I'll probably be tipsy by the end of this episode. It's as big as you are. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. If you guys have never seen me Just think of a bottle of beer, and that's me. (laughs) But anyway, anyway, Maz, get us going. Get us going. What's? Who are you? Why do we start this podcast? Why the hell should people listen?
1: Yes, I think I think it would be cooler if you say
0: who Maz is, and I'll say who Samim is. Whoa, Whoa. that's a all right. Tables of ten. Okay, so Maz, Maz, in my life, I would say he's my spiritual advisor. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Maz, he has had a really interesting life. He's, he's experienced, like, he, he studied engineering at some stage, and then he was a professional gamer at, at another stage. And he had a stint where he worked at a candy shop. Entrepreneur. Oh, sorry. He was he was entrepreneur at a candy shop.
1: <laughs> is that literal or is that <laughs> uh, it's the, <laughs> the <code>. kind. <Okay, laughs> <sorry. laughs>
0: and then sorry I'm a million years old. <laughs> cat, c- and then um now c we're studying together at uni, but but he he is my hippie friend and he has introduced me to the world of hippiness and hippie wonderland, that's all I'm gonna say. Please.
1: I love it. <laughs> Thanks for the <laughs> introduction, Samir. <laughs> Um, so Samim is a guy who's just very curious. He wants to find out things. He's like, "Oh, what happens if I do this?" <laughs> <It's like nuts>. <laughs> <laughs> well, what happens if I try and do this thing that people say you shouldn't do? And he'll just go and do it. And I love that about you. Like, you just you know, like you, you have that curiosity, and you just go around the world and engage with the world with that curiosity and that's led you to some interesting places and interesting experiences
0: and I feel like has made you mature more than your age I'll take that that, that was a cherry on the icing I have I have this obsession with uh, being considered older than I am so, <laughs> so <laughs> I just
1: I scratched your itch you yeah. just scratched my itch That's <laughs> not nice, that nice.
0: Um, and anyway so why do we start this podcast um very briefly,
1: well, I, like it all started when we went camping one night and we just had this real deep chat. And we were like, Man, this is an interesting conversation. I think like some of my friends and family would have liked to listen to that conversation. And then some was like, Why not? Let's just start a podcast. It started there.
0: That's it. And we started, but anyway, I feel like that's like that's like a very, um, you know, cliche thing of like. <laughs> our conversations are cool Like, let's make a podcast but but for me and Maz more specifically it was that I used to be very very religious mm. and I guess throughout the episodes of the podcast there'll be lots of themes of like my religious trauma just like triggering me and like me mm. getting pissed off but I'm I've been going through this this path of becoming more atheist or you could say agnostic but Maz mm used to be very atheist, and now he's actually leaning towards, or levitating towards religion. Yeah. And that's where our conversations become interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I genuinely care for Maz as a friend, and if I'm being honest, I'm a bit concerned that he's levitating towards religion. podcast is an intervention. But not just that, but, but it's also that I also respect him as a wise and knowledgeable person. So there's, there's that deep curiosity within me that's like, uh, what if what if he's right? What if I'm wrong? Uh-huh, uh-huh. So anyway, that, that's pretty much our journey. That's pretty much the podcast. And let's hit it off. Let's bring the guest onto the stage mm. and say, Matt. What? Wh- wh- why are you here? Like, what <laughs> makes you want to actually be here right now?
2: That's a good question. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm here because you two fascinate me. Very much so. You're both good guys. You're both curious individuals. Um, One of you is ageless. Yes. (laughs) And the other of you is a a profound seeker of truth. Wow, yes. And um, one of you in particular has been on my case for quite some time to get on here. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) You know, I I was at the stage where I was
0: like thinking of finding out where he lives yeah. And like knocking on his door and being like, putting a note underneath the door saying, <laughs> yeah. When will you come to the podcast? Yeah.
1: You just need to get the owls to like the Harry Potter, you know? The- <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly.
0: But
2: I'm glad you're here. Thank well, you. I- I'm quite fascinated to see where this goes because um, of all the things that, you know, we've had the pleasure of chatting with each other about, um, you know, religion and religious background, it's featured a little bit, but not that much. And yeah. to frame the podcast, it's very much this like, you leaving religion and as you going towards it and mm-hmm. trying to resolve that I'm quite curious to see where I'll land in this
0: conversation mm. Mm. yeah yeah I think if, if you guys also feel like it's the right place to go I've, I've got a question just to spark the conversation because right? <laughs> 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 I, I honestly like I know all of us three people in this room we're, we're mm-hmm. not going to have a shortage of things to talk about but the first question which Comes to my mind is can we each define what does faith mean to us and is faith dangerous? Mm. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah.
3: Contemplative. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like,
0: I'll just preface with it. That, like, I. Of course, we can go into it, but I do think faith is quite dangerous and I do think, like, blind faith. Hang on, hang on. Uh, Go with the definition first. Okay, okay, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. So to me, faith is when when there is a shortage of facts, mm. we turn to faith. You know, because if if there is enough facts to believe in something, then it's no longer faith, in my opinion. Mm. When there's a shortage of facts, then you need faith to bond you to that belief.
3: Mm.
0: So that's what I call faith. And then, and it's not always a negative thing. In, in in many cases, it's like when you're at a dinner, you have faith that your friend will arrive at the time that you told them to come. You know, but there's a shortage of facts there where you don't know for sure if they're going to come or not. So there's mm-hmm. the uncertainty. But anyway, that's how I would define. it So
1: in a way, faith is a response to uncertainty.
0: Yeah. Okay. And and, and it's it's necessary. I'm mean, not to say that. I'm not saying does it exist or not, Mm -hmm. because uncertainty is everywhere. But I'm just saying, is it dangerous? You know, because religion would say it's innately a beautiful thing, and you know, your faith is something you hold close to your heart.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's sort of interesting. Like just to take a moment to clarify, like the example you gave of faith was pretty innocuous. Like I have faith that my friend will arrive. At some point in time or whatever, and the cost of that faith being violated is pretty trivial. You're like, ah, shit, I had dinner alone, yeah, or I sat alone for 20 minutes or whatever it was. But I guess I'm curious if you really intend, as we think about this, to like tie it to the supernatural. Like, are, are you thinking essentially religion and God and divinity and all of that?
0: <laughs> I, I was trying to like put it trying to like avoid it. like, <laughs> 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 you I was like, he was like. I was trying to shape it as something else to like not be biased but okay like let's go there um, yeah I do think of course at the end of the day it does come to religion and the fact that like with any religious like religiously minded person the, like I've talked to so many religious people and we have like a logical rational argument and then eventually it gets to the point where they say there are some things that we do not know as, as humans And you just have to have faith in the prophet or in God. Mm. And then that's end of conversation. And that's when I get really frustrated. And I'm like, I don't know where else to go with that. So I guess that's my previous bias as to why I'm even talking about faith. Mm -hmm. Like, what do you guys think?
1: So hang on. You still didn't finish answering the actual question that you were asking. So is faith dangerous? You didn't really give that
0: a clear... Okay. Um... I think it is dangerous. Uh huh. So my clear so that's, answer... That's
1: your clear answer?
0: Yes. Okay. And I can go into why, but I want you guys to... Either yes or no questions only? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think,
1: take, okay. Talk about the why, because then we, we can talk about... Right. We can sort of discuss the why. Okay, okay.
0: Why do I think it's dangerous? Well, well I think it's dangerous because it, it leaves you susceptible to manipulation. And I guess that's kind of one of, if we're sticking with the theme of religion, I think when you have faith in something, Mm -hmm. you become very easily manipulable, if that's a word. Mm -hmm. Um, And I guess that's where I think it's like, I'm not saying faith is bad, I'm saying it's dangerous. And I'm saying it it should be treated with a lot and a lot more caution than I think it is being treated, at least in religious communities. Yeah, it's just a word of caution. That's it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you wanna try in Matt? What do you think? Um, I mean, I think that's a pretty reasonable definition of faith. I mean, it's certainly how I think about it. Um, I mean, to me, it like the word faith carries with it spirituality and divinity and, and religion and all of the, all of this kind of kind of baggage. Um if I were just referring to uncertainty in sort of a more trivial sense, I'd probably just say uncertainty. Uh, so the the question of is it dangerous or not, I think it's a very tough one to answer, right? And in some senses I'm just like gonna spew and sort of drivel what other people who I think are smart have said. Mm-hmm. right? So uh, you know I, I, uh, I'm somewhat familiar with the writing and thinking of um, atheists, like in particular Sam Harris. And on the religious end, you know, I, I was entertained by an interaction he had a few years ago with uh, a person who at least at one point was quite popular, Jordan Peterson, who sort of is quite a proponent of religion and the, the virtue it brings to society. Um, and I'm not, r- like, really overwhelmingly persuaded by the, one of those points. Mm-hmm. I think that my intuition is that people are super different. and. Uh, if you have a person who happens to interpret a system of faith in just the right way, just the right moment in their life, that might really prop them up and help them be healthy and survive difficult times or be kind to people or live a, a life worth living. Mm-hmm. And at other times and other people, it might do the exact opposite. It might really cause harm and like narrow a person's experience or create judgmentalness or resistance to life as it flows or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I think I've been kind of both both ends of that. I was raised uh, somewhat religious, but conflicted. My my mom calls herself a Christian, my dad calls himself an atheist. Mm-hmm. So when I was a boy, I, I used to pray for my dad to not go to hell. Mm, uh, yeah. I was really that scared. Now, what have being quite... Yeah, I was super scared for him. I was yeah. like, I was like, he's a good guy. He's really yeah, a good guy. God, yeah, yeah. like, just give him a chance. He doesn't know. Um, and I, I think that definitely shaped me. But I'm not totally sure. Like, I'm kind of happy for that experience now because I find so much beauty in religion, mm. but I also find it really terrifying. So, I'm kind of like, I want to jump on board with you and be like, it's terrible. It's like, don't yeah. do it. But I also, like, I'm not sure that I can. I feel a little conflicted. Mm.
1: Well, I think, uh, so I think faith is essential. So, like and what I would say is not all faith is created equal. So you have a blind faith and you have let's call it enlightened faith. I don't know. I'm just making up making
0: up shit. Blind faith and enlightened faith. It's all like right. this, two different kinds <laughs> of faith. Yeah, all right. Two different yeah. kinds of
1: faith. Okay. So the blind faith you you have the faith because like, you know, the, the book says so. Like, the, the yeah. Bible says, do A, B, C, D, and you go do A, B, C, D because, because it says. Okay, yeah. Uh, that, that, that I call blind faith. Yep. So you're just following this thing because it said so. Either, either the prophet or your mom or your dad or your priest, your monk, whoever. That yeah. I call blind faith. Mm. And what I call enlightened faith is when when you read that when you really think about how that plays a role in your life do you really believe that not because it was said so but because it's something you directly experience because something it's something that um the effect of it does that belief have a positive effect on your quality of life or does it have a negative effect on your quality of life? That, I think, is a really key part of uh, like you choosing to have that faith because it has a positive effect versus you just having that faith because it was so-so. So you, you have your consciousness and you're making a decision to consciously take on board this faith because A, you believe it, Based on your own direct experience of whatever, and your own research in whatever manner you've done, and and that it has a positive effect. If you take on board that faith because of those two things, I I call that an enlightened faith. I just made
2: that up, but it's like faith with like a feedback loop. You're constantly evaluating if the faith is serving you. Exactly,
1: exactly. It's not it's not a permanent faith. It's not a permanent faith of like you know you need to do A B C D E. It's not like that. You 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 have it ongoing and you notice, oh, this fate that I had that was really helpful and helped me is no longer serving me, and that's time to question it. And that's time to bring in some conscious attention and reevaluate. Look, that's I, have where
0: I am. Strong opposition to what you just said. <laughs> Go I for have it. Ve- I very take, strong opposition Take, take, take it. I, I like the example that comes to my mind straight away and, and I've used this analogy multiple times and I hate to keep using it. But let's, okay, let's think of, there's a man, his name is Stephen, Mm. right? He, he, he's a worker, he just, he works in the factory, and he believes that what is right for his family is right for him, so it's net positive, all right? Okay, Stephen lives in Germany, all right, in the late 1930s, and there's this guy called Adolf Hitler, who is bringing prosperity for him, and, and Stephen has faith in Adolf Hitler. I keep bringing back the Nazis, like, so I think they help. I think it he helps. So it's like, in that case, yeah. he has, what was the word, enlightened faith in Adolf Hitler and the Nazi party. How is that good?
1: Okay, hang on. So with the quality of life piece, it's so your quality of life for you is one part of it, but quality of life for the, the, the wider circle... Where of, does
0: the wide circle end?
1: It depends on what kind of person you are. For someone, the white circle is not even white. It's just themselves. But so for someone else, the white circle is the whole earth.
0: But that's subjective. So it's but like it Stephen is, can it say, subjective. fuck you, Maz. Fuck you, Mass, Fuck you, Matt. My white circle is and they do. me and my family. Therefore, Nazi Germany is great.
1: And, and that, that did happen.
2: You feel like I so, feel like you read a book, How to Win Debates. <laughs> <laughs> so, just like, just like a, subtly accuse your conversation partner of Nazism.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Can't be beaten. It's <laughs> okay. okay, bro. I'm not calling you that. <laughs> Steven is a fucking Nazi. Steven's a fucking Nazi. <laughs> Steven. Yeah. Is Steven. A fucking, yeah. Yeah. Just, no, but, but like, I genuinely... Like, I, like, that's my whole point of mm-hmm. your definition, if it's used in the right context, Mm-hmm. Yes, faith can be amazing but my whole argument is that faith can be dangerous in the wrong hands and I'm saying even your even your highly enlightened person is susceptible to manipulation if they give in to the idea of faith.
1: But you know so this this thing that's that it can be used positively and it can be used negatively. That applies to absolutely everything. Get a knife. You can cut someone and mock someone or you can do a surgery or you can cut fruit. Get a car. You can drive to go to a location, go post something, go go see a doctor, or you can use it to run over someone. Mm-hmm. So is car or knife good or bad? Or is it is
0: dangerous? Yes, is car, dangerous? car is dangerous. The knife is dangerous.
1: <laughs> so, so, so by the definition, we are living in you know, a place filled with danger and that's just not how I want to conceptualize my life I don't want to feel like I'm in danger I want to feel like I'm relaxed
2: that's a very um that's a very interesting concession Uh here right like the idea that the response to is a car dangerous is a knife dangerous it's clear and resounding yes Yes. dangerous seems to imply that like you're just asking people to acknowledge that faith is also dangerous you're not asking them not to use faith you're yeah. just saying acknowledge it's like a knife or like a car, and then it's dangerous. Is that yeah. what you meant to imply? No,
0: exactly, exactly. Oh, fair I enough. Yeah, so mm. it can be dangerous. Sure. No, I, I think that's literally it. Um, I, I don't want. I don't podcast know. over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like. <laughs> this is why a third person makes a big difference. (laughs) We could just be fighting for like two hours. And he's like, actually, you guys love each other, shake hands, give each other a hug.
2: He's not really a uh, nut. Go back to the playground. (laughs) Uh, Why does it feel so important to you to establish to the world that faith can be dangerous? That's a good question.
0: That's a great question. Um, I think if I'm being frank... Be frank. Religion hurt me, as it's obvious. To the people in this room, to the people listening, now it's obvious too. <laughs> but its I feel as though I need to advocate for the minority of people, and, and I'm going to say minority, because for a lot of people, religion is amazing. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I'm not talking to those people. Ooh. There is a minority of people who have been hurt by religion. And I feel as though I need to advocate and be their voice. Mm. And, and that's all I want to do is to just make more people acknowledge that there is a minority who is suffering as a result of religion.
2: Yeah. My, my experience, at least, of Western religions is, you know, fairly, you know, it, it actually dovetails with what you're saying here pretty nicely, right? Like, I think that in a podcast context like this, Acknowledging that faith can be dangerous or harmful mm. seems trivial. I'm like, who gives a shit? Like, obviously that's true, mm. but I think in the context of the religion itself, I think many of these religions have very strong taboos against such admissions. Right? They're very defensive. Mm. Like, no, this mm. is we're fucking, We got this shit right, mm. right? Yeah. And admitting any mistake is not so easy. Mm. Um, mm. And so from that perspective. Um, Like, I'm almost, maybe I'm quite dumb, but I'm just now beginning to perceive that, like, when you were concerned earlier on, the you're, like, really worried about your friend's (laughs) well-being. And heading heading into a potential system of beliefs that can set him up to be hurt. Mm. Not necessarily manipulate. I mean, yes, that's all part of it. But, like, it's just now clicking. It's actually just a concern for you as a person. He just loves you. And he's like, I don't want you to get hurt. Of course I Am I just making that up, or is that how
0: you feel? No, that's... That's strongly how I it feel. It's yeah. very sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Don't do it, man. But
2: you're not you're <laughs> not going down the Western religion at all,
1: are you? No. I mean, at the moment I'm very interested in Sufism, actually. Sufism. So uh, You like the <laughs> I like the dance actually, have you seen the verbal, the dance, they they sort of just stand up and they spin and they spin and spin and they don't fall, they don't, they don't like get
0: busy and fall. It's just like, okay, can you tell people what Sufism is, just in case? They don't to know.
1: be honest, I don't know enough to tell <laughs> them really what, know what it. it
0: is. I like it, and that easy. see, if there's a religion that you like, it's probably because you don't know much about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Sorry, guys, yeah. I, 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 I have to I'm say just,
1: that. I, I've been intrigued by it, but I haven't had enough time to sit down and actually like learn a lot about it. But I'm definitely very intrigued about it.
0: Okay, like I just want to, I just want to mention, at the, I, I say this sometimes. I don't want this to become like an echo chamber of like hating on religion. <laughs> so like, <laughs> let's create some balance. How about you guys wanna well, <laughs> not shit on religion? <laughs> 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 yes, it's I'm great. Tra- we'll get there. Yeah,
2: religion is is
0: fine. Um, I love your religion. No hard feelings.
2: Yeah, it's it's me. It's not you. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, there's something wrong with me. There's <laughs> wrong with it's it. the meme and his traumas. It's yeah, the meme and his <laughs> traumas. What what has it been like for you to start away from it and to begin moving towards it?
1: So, I actually, I was born in Iran. So, being born in Iran, you're in the middle of the religion. Mm. But in Iran, I I saw the religion as this thing that was forced on people. And I saw a lot of people who appeared to be very religious and be very corrupt. Mm. So, I actually, that's why I started out as being really anti-religion. Because I came from that background, like man, yeah. religion is just a thing that really yeah. is associated with corruption. I had that yeah. association, and when I came here and I had this experience where it made me even hate religion more. Where I was dating this girl and we both really loved each other, but her parents were Christian, and when her parents found out that she was dating me they told her because he was not born in a christian family notice the word born in a christian family because i was even willing
2: to yeah. come to church and read the bloody bible <laughs> yeah, it seems like like thinly veiled
0: racism to me yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah no no
2: i mean he wasn't <laughs> born in the can't <end> <laughs> <I mean,
1: laughs> like be making up rules <laughs> on the plot
2: <planet>. so <laughs> it's, it's it's
1: freaking oh my god so since then i'm just like So not only is religion associated with corruption, but it's also a thing for people to um, discriminate each other against. You know, you already got racism and sexism and this-ism and that-ism. You don't need another thing. So I just, that's why I really hated religion. That was like my starting point. But since then, I've had some, many spiritual experiences at different times. Some aided by psychedelic substances. And some knots Yes. And Mm -hmm. I've come to this realization that there is a spiritual world that we live in. It's not just this 3D physical dimension. There's other places, and because I know there's other places, I am seeking to understand that and that spirituality and the metaphysics and that part you can't find in the. Wow. That's why what, that's what's gravitating me towards this is
2: this is so strange because like so you, you're basically having mystical experiences whether that's through some practice that required lots, following instructions mm-hmm. you know really carefully like meditation or um, or having plant medicines. plant medicines in the right context and you're just yeah. you're going you're having intense experiences that are really I guess mystical is probably a fair word for it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the meta effect is like, whoa! Like maybe I've been too harsh on systems of faith and relationships to the unknown and mm-hmm. to uncertainty, whatever else. Right? It's sort mm-hmm. of like softening you up towards this idea. Exactly. And like you're not just going; you're following a similar trajectory with similar devices, still in the opposite direction. You're having mystical experiences, and you're like, nah, no, still, fuck religion. Not necessarily.
1: He has really. something. He has softened up a bit, actually.
0: Really? He's yeah.
1: So, do you want to tell us about the time you went to that Buddhist
0: retreat? Okay, so, actually, let me preface. Before the Buddhist retreat, the thing that made me go to the Buddhist retreat, which I'm happy to talk about here, is um, I tried psilocybin for the first time in January. I'm not sure if you guys have heard of this thing. It's uh, it's a very cool thing. It's, it's also known as magic mushrooms. Um... <laughs>
1: It's actually FDA approved
0: now. Oh, no, like, it's uh, FDA, FDA, FDA. Is it TGA? TGA? F- no, it? it's, I, I TGA. Know, it's TGA. TGA. It's yeah. approved in Australia to be used... Um, for
1: depression and for PTSD,
0: treatment Treatment-resistant depression and PTSD. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Pretty pretty cool. Anyway, so that softened me up to the idea of there being something more. Like, Like, this is a very common psychedelic experience of feeling one with the universe. And it sounds very, mm-hmm. like hippie and whatever but like you literally like there gets to a point where when you're in this elevated state when you see something in nature be hurt like there was a point where i I was looking at like a big like the rock the rock face there's like a waterfall and i was just looking at the rocks and for some reason i associated that big rock with mother nature and then I just started bawling my eyes out. Mm. Like I, like Maz would know, I have this whole trauma thing, I don't cry often. It's like a different mm. different story. But I just started bawling my eyes out and it was because I was so sorry for like mother nature. Mm. You're empathizing. I was just empathizing so much and there's this feeling of oneness where like, when you're in this state, if some animal gets hurt or whatever, mm. you just feel so connected. It's as if like a part of yourself was, was damaged or, or hurt mm-hmm. so I think after that I was like, like, like having this atheist mindset to say that oh there was like just a big bang and then everything just randomly happens and mm-hmm. you're just like that doesn't make sense anymore because mm-hmm. it, it's, it's not congruent with your feeling that you had when you were in the altered state mm-hmm. um, so I guess that, that motivated me to go to a Buddhist retreat yeah. so it was just it was just a two day silent meditation retreat and now I'm curious. I'm still skeptical, but, but I'm open curious. to the possibility.
1: Like before, you weren't open to the possibility that sort of. I still think religion is
0: like religion is not for me. Like organized religion, mm-hmm. at least Buddhism is for me. Maybe the exception. I don't know why. It's not important. But I, 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 mean, I am open to the idea of like spirituality, spirituality, and there being some greater power. But I just don't think our idea of God to be like this bearded man in the sky, like saying, do this, don't do this. I just think that's wrong.
1: I agree with you. I, don't, I, I never think I've never once thought of, that of God as this <laughs> man
0: in the sky. <laughs> Maybe only in my sexual fantasy. He's like, don't masturbate, it's wrong. He's like, no, yeah. shit, sorry, man.
1: No sex, bad semi, boom.
0: That's exactly why. That's the only reason I'm not having sex like all the time. Yeah. Because this bearded man in disguise is telling me not to do it. Yeah. If, if we, honestly, when I was religious, I, I, I used to think, I was like, if people aren't religious, then like, what's stopping them from going in the street and just shooting random people? Yeah, right. like like I genuinely believe that. Well, that's a pretty profound question, though,
2: right? Yeah, yeah, right? it is. Where, where do where where does our sense of ethics come from? Right, where does like, at, at every moment of being like a certain set of actions make themselves available to you, right? And your brain selects them. It's like I gotta, gotta pick one, gotta do a thing next. Mm-hmm. Well, like through what context is that set of things presenting itself and through what mechanism is your brain choosing one of those things? I think, like a hard, I don't think this is true, I'm actually quite atheist, but like I think a proponent of religion would say, well, the purpose of religion is to impose harsh and demanding constraints on those things so that when something creeps up out of nowhere that is really not very nice, Mm. you have something that makes you feel shame about it, it makes you reject it, it, makes you whatever so that you don't shoot people in the street yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah um so i don't know like i I don't think that you need religion for that but i think it's it's an interesting question to wonder where does being a nice person come from if not that place
1: i definitely remember reading uh, some philosophers work on that exact sort of like question um and I don't remember his arguments in detail but he you can have basically the gist of it was and it was quite convincing that you can have ethics without religion Mm. and but religion does bring ethics with it too so Mm. you can have you can have it both ways you can either have ethics without it or you can have ethics with it it's not really about
0: that yeah but like i would say like that goes without saying like the fact that i am no longer religious and i didn't end up shooting anyone (laughs) (laughs) in the street but i think
1: i think it's like uh it comes it really comes to your values and your own personal experiences that you've had and how they interact together to sort of like okay uh, if i do this i might feel excited at the moment like if I do go kill people maybe you, you'll feel excited I don't know but
0: just go hunting bro except <laughs> shit Matt's been hunting he likes hunting uh, yeah I've been uh, once or twice yeah
2: I'm an aspiring hunter <laughs> don't teach this guy how to hunt yeah yeah <laughs> um, oh, oh my god yeah I'm tempted to like go on a little rip about hunting and why it's important to me but like b- before I get into that Possible behavior I <laughs> Religion's like no, no. <laughs> what strains? Yeah, um, I feel like like the murdering people in the street example can actually be dialed back to a more like a subtle level. That, yeah, that, that, that I, re- I think that, that reveals...
1: would be. I think that would be actually a lot right. oh, better for the discussion. Too. Yeah, because I think we're
2: really just interested in how do you live a good life. Yeah, I right? think so. how do you how do you maximize all the good things? Now, defining good things, I know, is really annoyingly hard as well, but. Um, you know, that's in some sense what ethics is trying to teach you how to do, right? Mm-hmm. Christians aren't like, you know, saying do all this shit just because, right? I think the idea, at least the defenders of it would say that the point of this is because if you follow these rules, you end up being... You live a better life. A better life. For yourself so, and for the society. The whole, yourself and the whole wor- world, yeah, I think that's the idea. Well, the whole white world, at least. But um, Amen. <laughs> Amen to that brother. God bless America.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. so... <clears throat> One of the things about religion is, I think most religions, they have, like, their core principles are very similar. Yeah. And the core principles, I don't think anyone is going to come and disagree with them. It's like compassion. Yeah. Like, can you really disagree with anything to do with compassion? Can you say compassion yeah. is bad? So, like, that's, that's, like, the core, one of the core principles of every religion I've come across. Yeah. So a lot of, a lot of like the core principles of a religion is, is to do with those ethics, yeah. is to do with how to live a good life. Now, the organized part of it is where the institutionalized of it is where the corruption comes and the, the possible downsides with the minority of people getting hurt comes from, I think. Would you, would you agree with that, Samir? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it is the organized part. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so like the religion itself, like the concept of the religion and the actual like core principles of it itself, I think, I think are created in a way to help you lead a better life. It's so like, was I communism. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: well, fascism.
0: <laughs> At the core, they were all fucking trying to do nice things. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't end up doing nice things. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. care what your intentions yeah. are, bro. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's an interesting point.
2: Right. How much do intentions matter? Right. How, how effective
0: is the to system? To what ultimately? degree? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm, I'm just, I love this fascism. <laughs> 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 I use it, win every argument. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually,
1: it's, it's interesting that Sunim do- uses fascism because other day, we were talking, and he was oh. protecting Hitler. What? <laughs> 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 I was never, this this one... Do you remember? You, you, you were saying you know, not oh. like, As if you don't remember. Oh,
0: the 99 and 1. Yeah. Okay, I can't. There's some context. Here. <laughs> <laughs> you had to bring this up. <laughs> fuck me.
3: Oh my god.
0: Okay, alright. Yeah. Now that I've been put on this fucking. It's like walking the plank. Yeah. <laughs> Go um, on, bro. Fuck. Walk the plank. Then me walk the plank. Alright, so. Okay, I've talked about this before with Maz. And Matt, I'm curious. I'm sure you agree with this. I think it's pretty. Fascism, oh, I love it. Yeah, <laughs> <it's> great. Yeah. <laughs> no, anyway, so it's, it's the idea of the. There's a lot of context behind the sentence Maz just said, mm. and the context, firstly, is first thing that's important is knowledge. Yeah. So once you understand the history of Nazi Germany, you know, to be very brief, it's that World War One ended. You know, there was something called the Treaty of Versailles. So the, the German population were humiliated. And they were forced to pay reparations for all of the damages of World War One. Yeah. So Germany was forced to have a democratic government called the Weimar Republic. Yeah. Um, this government, not many of the people liked. It was a puppet of the Western allies. And there was a stage in history. There was the Great Depression. I don't know how familiar you are with it. The Great Depression, Wall Street crash. And anyway... There was a point of economic turmoil where middle-class families, if they had savings for a house deposit, yeah. you wake up tomorrow, those savings, yeah. you can barely buy a loaf of bread. Yeah. So there's economic turmoil, there's humiliation of their inner nationalistic pride. Yeah. And then here comes this guy called Adolf Hitler who's like, fuck these Western allies. Germany is the greatest country there is. You know, He inspires your inner patriotic zest. He's promised to fix the homelessness crisis. Mm. And let me just say, he, he just chose to kill all the homeless people to fix the homelessness crisis. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he fixed is the homelessness...
2: Hum- is that a suggestion? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no.
0: Like, like, There's all these reports of like, look, Adolf Hitler. I'm fixed. not
2: saying we should do this. I'm just saying, Hitler did it. <laughs> 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 look,
0: on paper, it fixed the problem. Anyway, anyway... <laughs> oh, God. sorry sorry anyway that's um, back on track so anyway Hitler he fixed the economic like climate he brought a lot of pride back and I'm like if you put yourselves in the shoes of someone who lives in Germany at that time then it no longer becomes that preposterous to say that you would vote for Adolf Hitler so anyway that that was my whole defence which needed a history lesson yeah. Sorry Didn't about this. Oh, that's, that's helpful context. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But then and then the, the, that's the whole idea of to say that like, knowledge, and I'm curious what you think is like, mm. when we automatically use our heuristics and, and lean on prejudice, mm. is that purely a lack of knowledge, a lack of education? Could you say that if, if we had increased education to all corners of the world, we would no longer have prejudice?
2: I mean, that's a really excellent question. I mean, I'm hardly, uh, you know, the right person to speak authoritatively to it. Yeah. And that's not what I <laughs> None do. None of us <laughs> are. But, um, you know, like, t- to me, the education thing is almost, it seems relevant, but it, does, it seems to be kind of still somewhat peripheral. I'm not quite sure what feels like bullseye to me, but something like um, <clears throat> despair. Right? Like, look, people need to be educated, but more than they need to be educated, they need to have something to eat and they need to have a place to live. That's, you know, <laughs> <laughs> they, need to, they need to just waggle your arms around, the lights will turn back on. Yeah. All right, guys, the light just turned what up on the dance. Yeah, window. that's good. Oh, you are Persian. Thank you. Of okay. course. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I think the education is, is, a, is a thing, but it seems to me like there's m- even more core fundamentals that would, that would precede education. You need to be receptive to education, and once you finally get to the point of I have enough food and shelter and safety. What about prejudice?
1: Are you, are you talk, kind of going to Maslow's hierarchy of needs? Something like that. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah, I think
0: so. But what's that go to the prejudice? Like, I'm, I'm curious. I'm saying, like, I'm, I'm saying people are going to be prejudiced no
2: matter what. I mean, it t- it literally takes like Buddhist training. You have to be like doing a meditation retreat where you give up all of your belongings and just be a beggar for a year because that's your retreat to be wise under those most of us need that to be wise under those conditions i think the average person is going to be super prejudiced if they're super hungry don't have a place to
0: live it's super pop they so impoverished but there's, there's prejudice in the first world and we don't have poverty or hungry. it's
1: not it's not i think i think it goes a bit deeper than than, than you mentioned man mm. i think the the food and the safety becomes is one, but then there's also like the comparison, like you compare yourself with mm-hmm. other people. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, he's got this car I don't have, or he's got this that I don't have, and you could sort of like warp that in your mind mm. to make up reasons why you're not like. Sometimes, some, mm. sometimes you warp up like like, oh, I'm not successful because. Uh, because this pe- person has this thing that I don't have, or like they're mm. born this way, or mm. so you make up these reasons for yourself. Mm. Uh, they, they could be legit and true, I don't, but there mm. could be times where you're making up those reasons just because you don't want to put in the work to get there. So you just, it's easier to make up those excuses and like yeah. go based off them, and those excuses will make you more prejudiced,
2: in mm. my opinion. Yeah, that makes sense to me.
0: Yeah, okay. I, I had two questions. I was thinking we could branch off from Matt. So one is, one pathway is talk more about your childhood experiences and your experience with religion and whatnot. Yeah, when I was a boy. When I was a boy. That's one pathway. And then there's a second yeah, pathway, yeah. and this is kind of where your expertise comes in a little bit. But using like layman's terms, yeah. if... Let's just say, I have a friend <laughs> <laughs> who he
2: was raised super religious and he's kind of walking away from it now. He has some real trauma he's dealing with. <laughs> pretty <laughs> much, pretty much.
0: And like, look, actually, no. I was going to say something about myself, but now let's just broaden it. <laughs> broaden. To, there's a lot of young people, you know, right now, uh, I'm just going to say young people, yeah. who struggle with many things. One is like, uh, I wouldn't say drug addiction but like regular use of things like marijuana where it's not like it's not chemically addictive but it's it's the habit of smoking it regularly yeah. even things like masturbation things like porn yeah. um, there are these things sugar that, sugar but and and they're not like actively debilitating to be like oh you need to go to a rehab center but they do create somewhat of a dent in people's lives yeah where you know it's not addressed and maybe they go through their 30s and 40s and 50s, not addressing the problem, but it's impacting their quality of life. Mm. And as a, you know, I would say as a wiser person, what, mm. what can you say to these young people? And you can look at me when you're talking about it, not to say I'm a drug lord, but maybe I am. <laughs> I mean, the first thing I'd
2: say is that like I, I can't Im- imagine how like horrific my life would be if I grew up like, with the porn that this generation has available. Like, it's so crazy.
0: Yeah, yeah. What's it, Like, the amount of
2: information and, like, biologically rewarding information is available on your phone at the age of nine. Now. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's all just right there. Yeah. I mean, it's so much dopamine. It's crazy. So I feel very lucky that uh, I sort of missed the key developmental years um, mm. with that particular invention. Um, having said that, you know, I waste a lot of time. I have a bunch of bad habits, and uh, they do very much feel like a prison. Like every, you know, there's a certain, like, sense of freedom uh, uh, that I very much like to experience all the time, and I pretty much only ever get if I'm meditating, Mm -hmm. right? Or if I'm experiencing a moment of meditation during some other activity, right? Like, you don't necessarily need to be sitting cross-legged on a cushion to have the states, but, like, Mm -hmm. that's been the practice, Vipassana in particular, that has... Uh, had a profound impact on the quality of
0: my life. And Can you talk about what Vipassana is, just in case people don't know? <clears throat>
2: uh, I think most people will know it by its sort of popular term, uh, mindfulness meditation. Yeah. Um, I sort of hesitate to use that term because I have the sense that that term has been watered down quite a bit. Mm. from It's meaning. I think like a lot of, um, I, I worry, I suppose, that people will look at an app that tries to calm you down it teaches you to breathe deeply and to do um, relax, muscle, a, relax relaxation. muscle relaxation, that kind of thing. Like the, the purpose is really to be like, notice that you're, I'm anxious, I'm angry, I gotta feel better, I gotta feel better, I gotta feel better, I gotta feel better. Like The purpose is to feel better, and I think Vipassana is different than that. I mean, I think an artifact of the practice is life gets better. But But it's
1: it's not how it goes about achieving that.
2: Yeah, I mean, you're a practitioner every bit as as much as I am, um, or more. And you know, I think the way I like to put it is that it's much more about truth seeking, which is why I think you would like it so much, Simone. Right? It's about it's about coming to the truth and being with the truth with equanimity. If the truth is pleasant, okay, but don't hold on to that shit. Right? Just be open to the next moment, and the next moment is also pleasant. Well, you, good for you, you won the lottery. <laughs> but the next moment might be boring, it might be painful, it might be a bad memory, it might be anything, just be with that too. And while you're busy not grasping onto the pleasant shit, um, do your best not to like push away the unpleasant. Mm-hmm. And if you can just, that's what equanimity is, that's how I think of equanimity, and if you can just Hang out there, then it tr- it's not obvious to me. Like when I say it, I, I never feel like when I say that, like I've really made my point. <laughs> but yeah, like, for whatever reason, when you're there in that state, shit is pretty dope. It's really cool.
1: Yeah, it's like uh, I remember one time in one of my meditations, there was this uh, sensation on my back that was as if like there was like a hot cold there. It was just so painful. Yeah. And I had a lot of resistance towards it. Like it's natural to be resistance towards yeah. something so painful.
2: Yeah. like fuck you. For about yeah, 59
1: idea. minutes of this one hour meditation, <laughs> yeah. I had resistance towards this painful sensation. Yeah. And then for that last final minute, I yeah. somehow managed to have equanimity and not have resistance towards this pain. I didn't want it to go away anymore. So yeah. oh, this is the reality of this moment yeah. that I have this painful sensation on my back. And the second that I was able to tune, t- tap into that state, yeah. the pain no longer existed. Yeah. Because it was just gone. Yeah. Like, there was no. S- something else happened. There was nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it was just gone. Yeah. And it turned into bliss. Yeah. And it was just. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's yeah, pretty remarkable. So just got kind of like devil's advocate thing to say about yeah, equanimity. Push. And. Mm-hmm. and where do you draw the line between what you guys are describing as equanimity, mm. and, for example, bringing it back to religion? I <laughs> do this a lot, but there there are, there are cases where you suffer for the cause. So that, like, I know in some sects of Christianity, it's like yeah. like self whipping, where you flagellation you, or whatever. Flagellation, yeah. It's like yeah. you you're. I would say when it's unnecessary, you're forcing pain upon yourself. In order to show devotion but maybe in that religious context they're also reaching equanimity by saying that oh these negative sensations should not bother me and i'm like where do you cross the line between when it's healthy and when it's unhealthy Like, where do you draw the line is there a line to be drawn i mean i th- i think i i don't really
2: know how to respond to that in a wise way my my what, what i'll Maybe maybe ask can rescue me here, but like to, to me, equanimity is is always wise. It's just sometimes you think you're being, you know, you think you're practicing equanimity, but you're actually not. You're just enduring. All right? You're actually not being wise at all. You're just like I'm a good meditator. I'm gonna sit here and fucking bear it. Like you you can tell yourself a story about being enlightened. It doesn't mean you're enlightened. All right? So it can be very tough to like know if you're deluding yourself or not. But how do you know? But,
1: but I, I think I, I, I agree with Matt, as in the actual equanimity is, is not corrupted. It, is, is not, nothing, nothing is wrong with being equanimous. Yeah, it's universally good. The, the, when you're truly equanimous, there's absolutely nothing wrong about it. It's I think the most best, it's the best part of being human, if you can be equanimous. Because, so I, I try to build up my equanimity a lot. So, for example, I'm going on this old Camino de Santiago walk. For one month, I'm going to get up in the morning, walk 40 to 30 kilometers, and then sleep, and then do it again. And I'm going to be having blisters on my feet, and it's going to be painful. But when I'm walking, and I'm, I'm not going to be distracting myself from the pain. I'm going to be noticing the pain. But just accepting it and allowing it to be. And just I'm hoping that this practice will help me become more equanimous. And equanimity is really important in life. Like, it actually translates into your day-to-day activities. Like, what if you want to study, but you don't feel like studying? What if you want to work out, but you're like, ah, you know, I slept a bit late last night, I feel a bit tired, I wanna like nap, or what, all of that stuff. If you have more equanimity, you're more able to do the thing you want to do, despite whatever sensation, uncomfortable sensation you might be experiencing. It's freedom and it's, it's freedom. and it's the solution to what you said it's the solution to what you said your question mm-hmm. you know you asked Matt about the whole addiction thing right mm-hmm. um, so what 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 is addiction yeah. you know if you think about addiction in, in any sense like from the biological perspective yeah. you know you, you you want to hit get the dopamine hit all, or something right mm-hmm. it, it's like you're desiring something you you, you want Something like, you, and and because you, you 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 want that hit, you go watch that porn, you 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 masturbate, you do whatever, you smoke, whatever. But if you learn to oh, I have this desire, and you just observe that desire and just watch that desire and sort of acting on that desire, which is the second part of equanimity. So equanimity has two parts, right? Don't avoid the bad shit, and don't crave the good shit. Mm. So the addiction part is the, the don't crave the good shit part of it. Because mm. if you don't, if you, if you can notice those cravings and just be like, hey, there is a sensation in my lungs that's craving a cigarette, okay? Let me see how long it lasts. Mm. And instead of acting on it, you just it. Yeah, yeah. you,
2: you may very well discover in those observations that you're not just craving the pleasantness of having a cigarette or a line of cocaine or whatever you're thing is, Mm. you may well discover that you're actually seeking to escape something that is unpleasant in your body in this moment.
0: Mm, Interesting. You're just not being mindful.
2: You're not paying attention to that shit, and you're you're certainly not being, you know, full of equanimity with it. And so if you can learn to catch that sort of thing and notice it, you might realize, like, I do this with work. Like, one of my habits is to work without wisdom. Like, I'm a workaholic right so i will avoid feeling difficult feelings by being like lots of work to do and yeah. i'll just bury myself in programming or in writing a paper or whatever because it takes me out of my body Completely. I'm just, I disappear. It's like right? escapism. It's escapism. It's just, yeah. you know, it's better than alcohol. It, it worked out better for my career than alcoholism or yeah, maybe yeah. not better than yeah. okay Cocaine okay. 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 might have worked similarly okay. well for me yeah. or Adderall or <laughs> some shit. <I don't> like, <laughs> but um, yeah, there, there's definitely, you know, there's definitely seeking that pleasantness, which often comes on the heels or simultaneously with trying to get away from something icky that's mm-hmm. in your body mm-hmm. in this moment. And I have a lot of, like, the more I learn to meditate, for a long time, I felt like there was just always something horrific happening in my body. I was like, wow, this fucking sucks. Mm. There's always something uncomfortable here. And it's just, in the last few months, like I've had some stretches, uh, maybe a year, maybe it's been like more like a year, but I've had some stretches of being mindful where it was actually like, there were pleasant things happening that I had to work not to grasp onto, and I was
0: like, oh, thank yeah. God, finally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, yeah, it's pretty, um,
0: it's pretty interesting. Yeah, and I, I really like, I feel like I'm I'm somewhat convinced by what you guys are saying. <laughs> I'm, I'm, so are you, are you gonna come? Do we
1: pass finally? No,
0: actually, I'm I'm planning uh, in January next year to do one the ten day retreat. Nice. I just gotta find time, um, but something that like I like talking about religion.
1: Oh, do you? Yeah, I
3: didn't <laughs> know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Second thing I like talking about is drugs. Third thing I like talking about is sex. <laughs> so yeah, <that's> <laughs> it, 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 it's related
1: back to the, the religion. If you think about oh. it. <laughs> 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 both of them are <laughs>
2: everything I, is under the umbrella. I would like to know, like, if you were to practice being, you know, of the Pasma practitioner now, like, when you conjure the concept of religion, what what happens in your body? You, if you conjure the concept of drugs, what happens in your body? If you conjure the concept of sex, what happens in your body? You don't have to be graphic with the last one. I don't, to know, I don't need to know dimensions or anything like that. No. Oh, my God.
0: oh my God. All right, so to, religion. Same space. If I want, maybe I want to now. Maybe I will. <laughs> anyway, so religion. Um, I would say a sense of like suffocation yeah. and heaviness. Heaviness in my chest. Here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, drugs. Stay. Stay with it for oh, a second. To <laughs> so go back. Go back there for a second. I, just, I don't want to go back to that feeling. <laughs> <laughs> right. is, it,
2: is it just one feeling, or does it kind
0: of move around a bit? Religion.
1: I think close your eyes
2: helps.
0: It's like tension in the eyes. Fair okay, enough. Yeah. And I guess the mind kind of runs wild with memories and thoughts and opinions and ideas. It, it's, it's really hard to quiet the mind.
2: One thing that you can do, like, if you ever become interested in doing this again, right, is the mind is going to go crazy with thoughts, right? That's what the mind does sometimes, right? And the, the point of this practice isn't to prevent that from happening. That's not it at all. The point is just to observe it happening, mm. right? And it's also quite helpful in those cases, at least for for what limited practice I've had. I often find that my my, my this this could be a little slippery, but I often find I have quite an active mind. Like I have a lot of thoughts. It's not mm. usually very quiet. It's a pretty judgmental place up here. Um, not a big fan of myself, mm-hmm.
3: but that's usually
2: uh, it's, there's usually something interesting happening in my body that I'm just kind of. Not really noticing when my thoughts are really going crazy. If I then remember, okay, here are my thoughts. What's going on down here? There's usually something pretty cool to watch. You're like, oh no, that's tied um, up in knots. Uh, that's pretty. That's pretty interesting. Anyway, so that's religion for you. Heaviness in the chest. Good, cool. <laughs> yeah, much Very That's the whole practice.
0: See, yes. do you feel enlightened? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm confused. Oh <laughs> uh, goodness. Um, yeah, I. The whole religion theme. There's a lot of like therapy that needs to be done there. It's a big thing. <laughs> it's a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I guess the, the there's a sense of freedom in rebellion, mm. which is very common, I guess. Mm. like, I, I try and not associate with my own age, but there's one theme of being early 20s that I really strongly associate with, and when that is rebellion. Mm. It, there's just something about being told to not do something and then doing it, like it's it's amazing. It's, it's, it's <laughs> <laughs> I just love that that's
1: that great. facial expression that's he great. has. Yeah, it's just, it's, just like <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah.
0: it's unreal. It's unreal. And and I guess that's where kind of I genuinely and I, I'm actually curious if you guys agree with this. I think being repressed in my early life has allowed me to experience so much more pleasure now as an adult. Because, really? Because everything I do is an act of rebellion. You know So something? <laughs> so for, like, for someone who was just raised in, like, I would say like a normal, uh, healthy family where like, you know when they were a teenager, their parents talked to them about sex and you know like, I have friends who they had their first beer with their dad. It's very normal in the Western world. But for someone like me, it's like when I had my first drink, it was the most like I thought I was gonna die. You know, and then it was like so exciting. Like drinking was like, holy shit, I didn't kill people, like, like what's gonna happen to me? And then even things like like sex is like every time you you do something, it's not a, it's it's a huge deal. So I think as a result, I live a more exciting passionate life because I was So I'll be
1: coming to one of the benefits of religion now. <laughs> yeah, I mean,
0: if you want to have
2: some kinky sex, you got to be religious. <laughs> <laughs> Start yeah. out religious
1: so you can uh, really like no. get into it. <laughs> no, no, like
0: seriously, though. all right, let's, let's like, I want to go down that pathway yeah. is I think, I, I, I think kink was probably inspired by religious taboo. Like, no, I think like there's something about taboo when something is like wrong that makes it super like sexually interesting or like sexually desired and I think by being religious you just have like so much taboos (laughs) it's just so good (laughs) I think the word exciting is very good right like this is forbidden
2: yeah you know that that is I think intrinsically fairly exciting whether that excitement is in the form of
0: fear or desire or a mixture of the two or whatever but do you think religion is necessary to create that disparity in society for us to have good sex lives? No, I don't think <laughs> <that> <laughs> <personally>. <laughs> <laughs> well, I
2: don't strongly disagree. <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah,
0: I, mean, I think I think it's no, no, but it, it can happen. But no, but you could argue if, if we didn't have yeah. things like religion, yeah. and like like you think of it, like I think of straight away to like Viking cultures where people just had sex left, right, center, and it's like my partner is your partner and their partner is my partner and my kid is your kid. Yeah. Does that make things bland? That's what I'm trying to get at. Like, right. Is there something about control and inhibition that activates right. a natural thing within us humans and allows us to live more prosperous? Yeah.
1: I mean, I personally think... So, I impose a lot of restrictions on myself. So, for example, I, I would very rarely have ice cream And I freaking love ice cream. Like, when I say very rarely, like maybe four times a year. But I love it. So because I've got that restriction of only having it four times a year, when I do have it, I really, like, enjoy it. I'm like, oh, wow, this is like a treat, like a proper, proper treat because I'm not going to get it again for a while. Which, yeah, makes sense, yeah. So it's the same sort of, like, it's the self-imposed restrictions I think those self-imposed restrictions really make it more enjoyable when you do do it. It's
0: self-imposed. That—that's like, that, for me. For me, that's what—that's how I do it. Like, because my my main question is, I'm trying to argue for religion now. Well, do you feel like you're being kind of naughty when you have ice cream? I
3: like think a, I do. Like a bad, I do. A bad boy? I do. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I'm like like.
1: Like oh I'm one of those like I'm not giving a shit about my health right now. Like this is right. fucking garbage I'm eating and I'm fucking loving
0: it. He's such a bad boy, messy. <laughs> <laughs> was that like the whip? <laughs> sorry, I left my handcuffs at home. Yeah, I'm sorry. yeah no, it's good sharp. Uh, <laughs> so. Ice cream. Yeah. Oh man. Um, no but I think that thing you said about being like a bad boy or whatever, I was talking to a friend.
3: Um. <laughs> I was talking to a friend. Oh my God. <laughs> I was
0: talking to a friend, and uh, anyway, this could be a slightly misogynistic conversation that we could exclude. Maybe, maybe we keep it. I don't know. Future yeah. editing can future editing. <laughs> Bookmark this this yeah. point. But he was telling me about this idea of this is just this is very very basic very pop culturey. Not, no scientific backing at all. But it's this idea of like he had like an x-axis and a y-axis, uh-huh. right? And he said that, um, you know, on one axis is being a bad boy. And on one axis is being like a good guy, you know? And, and he says that to be sexually attractive or appealing, there needs to be a fine balance of badness and goodness. Mm. And this applies to women as well, I would imagine. But this was in the context for men. I'm sorry, is this to be sexually appealing or is this to be sexually satisfied yourself? I think that's sexually appealing. appealing. This is yeah. to do with attraction. It's I to do with, yeah, just you're trying to be a peacock and show you know. your wings. Yeah. So, so what do you guys think about that?
2: Yeah, it's an interesting one. Like, I feel like I've read meme, internet memes that have suggested that. Yeah.
0: No, <laughs> but like, like, like yeah. what's your opinions? And there's no right or wrong and this is just a random thought. But like, like, like more strongly, can like, is badness necessary, and should we even be trying to attract people in the first place?
2: So let me, let me share you, a, I share an anecdote, right? So I, I uh, listen to a lot of audiobooks. I go through phases where it'll be podcasts, phases where it'll be audiobooks, and phases where I just, I'll just be meditating a whole shitload. <clears throat> and recently, I went through a little audiobook phase, and um, I'm not really a fantasy guy, mostly sci-fi or, or books about neuroscience or whatever, but in this case... There was a very well reviewed, everybody was super excited about this book that just came out, and it's about dragons and magic mm-hmm. and nice cool stuff, right? And it turns out it was like softcore porn, pretty much. No, it was like <laughs> <laughs> it was not even so soft. it was like it was like just, just porn is what I meant. It no, wasn't softcore, it was just porn. Um yeah, it was just so much I, I feel like it was really targeted either at like Sort of like mature adolescent females who are still very excited about sort of stereotypical Fifty Shades of Grey style, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, seduce me like the vampire appeal. Like it's yeah. just like just take me. I'm so helpless. I can't help be so so like you're so sexy. I can't control myself. You know, whatever it is. There's some there's some narrative there that seems to tap into like it's a trope, but it's one that appeals to a huge number of people, right? And this is also the same kind of idea that seems to to Works very well for like older women, not older women like grandmas, but like you know, like housewives. That's yeah. this is like
0: edit all of this shit out. But like yeah. uh, I think this is the
2: stereotypical idea, right? Like the Fifty Shades of Grey is somehow it's like that. It's like the dragon version of Fifty Shades of Grey, where this main character is just so helplessly attracted to this sexy man character, but she has all the hidden power of it's it's fantasy, right? Yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. right. It's just and in some sense. Right, what I'm getting at is in some sense that sort of is an element of sexuality for everybody, right? Is engaging in this fantasy, telling being willing to give yourself over to a story, either about how sexy you are or about how sexy the person who's interested in you is, or whatever. There's like a little bit of delusion there. So I, I find these like audiobook fantasy thing to be like actually found it to be quite repugnant, which probably says something about me. Like, I remember moments where I was literally gagging. I had to stop listening to it. I was like, yeah, I can't keep yeah, can. yeah. uh, doing this. Um, I'm impressed you actually continued listening. I thought like, yeah, I got a. Well, it's a pretty exciting book, to be honest. Like, the dragons, like, explode
0: stuff. <laughs> <laughs> she, she controls lightning. And I was like,
2: dude, that's a pretty good book, honestly. But... Dragons
0: explode? What? <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. Oh, goodness. But okay. I feel like
2: there's something here in terms of, like, goodness, badness. It's like, it, it all feels like some...
0: Story, like delusion, like 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 a self story. Like you want the delusion. It's like you want to be hypnotized. Take take me,
3: control me.
2: That's like religion. That's like my feet. (laughs) You know, and and men want to be, dude. I'm the sexiest man ever. You know, no one can ever live up to me. Like it's like it's built into our biology to some degree. But that's that's
0: negative though. Like like you're you're a meditator, and and that that extreme ego boost is something we should avoid, right? Well, I don't think it's—I don't think it gives you access to freedom, and and
2: joy, and long-term happiness. I think it can feel very good while it's happening, but I think by its nature, it leads to suffering.
0: like like, like the nature of wanting to attract others and and feeling as though you are extremely attractive—is that what you're referring to? If you are identified with, with that, if you are the attractive person and that's your identity,
2: then, yeah, that's going to lead to some trouble down the road, I think. Interesting. Because yeah. I would say, like, as it a... You can feel pretty fucking good for a long time, though, I think. like Especially if you're, like, Brad Pitt and you're, your identity is that you're sexy Brad Pitt. Well, you are sexy Brad Pitt. Yeah. Everybody really does want to fuck you. So it's like... Yeah. No, yeah. His life is... A, he's like, well, I don't really see what the problem is. But <laughs> like, <laughs> eventually he will, right? Eventually he'll
1: he'll... You'll get old and you'll yeah. get wrinkly and. Uh, but, but, but I want to talk about the eventually.
0: Away. I want to talk about the eventually. It's like like if I'm being extremely honest. Like we, we talked about this a little bit before we recorded the podcast, but it's the idea of like okay, I'm I'm 22 years old, all right, and that is something on my mind. Is like yeah. well, I don't see the downside of seeming sexually appealing. Yeah. I, I don't see how that's a bad thing. It's like well. If people think I'm sexy then how's that a bad thing like it is
1: not like remember what you didn't mm, quite understand what Matt said Matt said it's if you identify with that traits that's 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 the danger part of it there's nothing wrong with being sexy or seeming sexy or like being attractive or there's nothing wrong with that it's just if you identify with that quality then that can lead to problems because when you yeah. lose that quality or when if something happens and you no longer, See yourself that way, like if you feel like you're this sexy person and then this, this girl that you're interested in says, looks at you and ah, yeah. not my type, something like that, right? You, you're going to, if you identify yourself as that, that's going to hurt a lot more.
0: But it's easier said than done. Like, like when I think of that, it's like, well, if, because it, it's, it's all about the feedback you get. Yeah. So it's like if yeah. I go on uh, three, four, five dates, you know, and I get positive feedback, from girls about my appearance, then it's <laughs> <laughs> what, what aspects of your appearance? <laughs> <laughs> anyway,
3: <No>. <laughs>
0: but <laughs> eventually, I'm gonna, you know, how What God? God is on my side. He's my wingman, bro. <laughs> we did this shit together. But but I'm like, it's it, it's the idea that you you unconsciously associate that feedback with the reality and then your identity like at least with myself my identity is somewhat formed by my experience and my environment i don't consciously choose to be like i want to identify as a sexy person i don't want to identify so how do you live in the world and interact with people but not fall into the trap of identifying with something that's the practice right this shit is always happening right you just you just said it beautifully for how
2: it works in the context of sexual attraction and sexual relationships but like it actually applies to every aspect of your identity right your work at your your, your studies at uni your your relationship with your family like you're always being bombarded with information from the environment and from other people who are just the environment right mm-hmm. that is forming an impression on you about your identity and if mm-hmm. you're not being mindful of that that identity is you, you are equivalent to those stories that you end up telling to interpret all that information. Exactly. Right, and sometimes, you know, sometimes it's just good vibes come through those stories and you're like, hooray, everything's great, right? But, um, it can go astray. It <laughs> can go astray, <laughs> oh my goodness. There's, there, there's just a deeper freedom to be had, right? And I think that, like, what, what Maz is saying is like, you know, it's okay to, to feel excited and sexy and good that's not a bad thing. No, yeah. not a bad thing. It's an awesome thing. Yeah, it's an
1: awesome <laughs> thing. We're like, yeah. going to the gym to, to yeah. feel more like that. Right? Like, one of the reasons you, you, you and I yeah. are going to the gym is precisely that. Like, there's yeah. nothing
0: wrong with that. Yeah. But I'm, I'm still, I'm still like unconvinced. And maybe maybe I'm looking for some fucking therapy from you guys. <laughs> I don't know, maybe. But but it, it's the idea of the whole, like, my, my religious upbringing. And this is something I struggle to accept. But when people tell me, you have to be bad. And there's, there's a strong internal repulsion to that idea. It's like, well, I thought the goal is to be good, to be a good person. So now and people like, are telling me... Who said
1: you have to be bad? Yeah. Uh, I think I lost you.
0: Um, are you. Are you
1: going back to the, the, the X yeah, and I'm Y axis? I'm
0: going back to the X and Y axis. Yeah.
1: On, let, let, me, let me give you my two cents on the X and Y axis. So I think... I was reading this book, uh, I forgot what it was called, but anyways. So it was ta- it was kind of talking about this X and Y axis in a way. But that's why I find it interesting to bring it up here. So he was that the the sort of like the badness. You can think of it as uh, because what what's the function of the badness, right? It's 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 excitement. It's it's surprise. It's friskiness. It's like it, 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 it's 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 inducing elements of uncertainty you don't know what he's gonna do because he's a bad guy you know what i mean mm. so that's what the badness
2: represents,
1: represents. <laughs> <laughs> so aroused, right <laughs> now that, oh my god that's what the badness represents it's not actually shit. about being a bad bro, guy bro this is softcore porn <laughs> holy shit oh my god <laughs>
0: you should be author of Veronica. I've never, never considered that bad, <laughs> maybe. you're saying that's what the badness brings up? Yeah,
1: the badness represents that. That's what they mean when they say bad. They don't necessarily mean some guy who is an asshole. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's not about being bad. It's about being a little bit mysterious, being a little bit uncertain, being a bit in that way where they can't quite fully expect what you're going to do. Hmm it keeps, it gives you an edge, it, 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 it makes uh, like if you're, if you're just, if you're on that excess, you're just a nice guy, you're the nicest guy there is, right? Just, just imagine yourself, you, you've got a n- very nice girlfriend, she's amazing in every way. Wait, wait, what's her name?
0: <laughs> 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 What? Let's call her Tamim. Tamim, okay. Tamim, Tamim. Matt, Matt's not impressed, but okay.
2: Tamim. <laughs> i known too many Tamims.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that Tamim. <laughs>
2: she t- she t- broke t- my heart. T- bad memories. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh my
1: god. But but it, 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 every time you see her, you know sort of how how everything's gonna go, you know? what are you guys gonna talk about you know where are you guys gonna really go boring. there's there's no element of uncertainty or surprise mm. anywhere to be seen despite her being really nice you're mm. not going to be engaged it's not going to be exciting so you need that but but the safe the niceness represents safety Right? You, you want to be feeling safe and secure in a, in a relationship. You know, if, you, if you're interested in someone romantically, if they can provide you that sense of safety, that's a bonus. Because you know, hey, I'll, I've got a safe haven to go to. I, I, I know someone who will listen to me or, or this and that. So that's one aspect of attraction. But the second aspect is that excitement. And if you, if you have both, then you're in that sweet spot where
2: you provide both safety and excitement. I feel like next time I see some Emmy's gonna have like like tattoos. <laughs> Just, like <laughs> chain necklace and shit. Well, I have a <laughs> chain
0: necklace. <laughs> more. More
2: than those things. More tattoos more is, chains. That does explain the arousal. <laughs> well, I, was little, I was a little confused by a <laughs> moment ago, but now that you point out the tattoos and the necklace. That's I mean, it. That's it. It's all subconscious, it. Subperceptual.
0: perceptual yeah. sub- yeah. But I I'm I'm inspired and I'm slightly aroused by that description. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, th- I, I think, like, I 100% agree with you, logically, but But there's still that internal resistance as to why isn't it good enough to be good. I had a, I had a, uh, a I think I have a
2: chip on my shoulder, maybe similar to yours, uh, sort of, sort of about this idea. I mean I think, I don't, I can't, I didn't hear a single thing that I disagree with, but you just <laughs> said, but um, I just nevertheless feel a similar kind of, I'm a little pissed off about it for some yeah. reason. Yeah. And, um, I remember having a conversation with a a younger kid on a plane uh, many years ago now, but I I must have been 30 at the time. He was probably 15 or something. And he was just like, he had just been to Scotland or some shit to like visit this girl that he really liked, and it just didn't go his way, you know. Yeah. This poor this uh-huh. poor fuck just really liked this girl. Uh-huh. You know? He was just like, maybe I'm gonna kiss her. Nah, I didn't kiss uh-huh. her. You know, like just like the the sweetest, most innocent things, but like just didn't work out for me. He's just a uh-huh. awkward fifteen-year-old boy trying to figure shit out. And just this complete stranger to me just asked me for advice because I am sitting next to him. He was like, How do you talk to women? Uh-huh. <laughs> I, like, I can so fucking know. <laughs> but um, it just struck me that like uh so many humans. This definitely happens to men, but I think it happens to, to, to women as well. Uh, we we're seeking an identity to become, so that we're attractive. Yeah, yeah. He's like, how do I talk to? I'm like, you be interested in them. You're you be curious in them. You just be who you already are, and be curious in this other human being. And they'll you know either. Either you're going to be the story that they care about or not. But, like, there's no fucking... This idea that there's, like... It all feels a little manipulative to me. Right? It's like, how do you be hot? (laughs) You know? Like, how do I... I Wear more chains. (laughs) Chains. (laughs) That's that's, (laughs) it. Bicep curls, (laughs) the whole fucking thing, man. So, yeah, I I think, like, another example is... um, I'm not sure if you guys knew Tim Ferriss is. You read really yeah. any of his books? I've listened to his
0: podcasts,
2: yeah. Interesting guy, right? Like but uh, you know a long time ago when his when his books were fairly new, uh, I, you know I, I listened to them. Or I think the 4-hour workweek was his first one. Mm-hmm. And I might be mistaken but in one of these books he's got a, a passage or a paragraph or not a paragraph, oh, like a, a chapter on like how to give women the best orgasm of their life or something like that. Mm-hmm. It just made me it's just, ugh, it just it's so gross. Yeah. Cuz I just feel like the message with all of this human interaction stuff ought to just be like, listen to each other. Just be humble, mm-hmm. you don't know everything, mm-hmm. right? Listen, listen and, and go forth and try listen. things and, uh, and then acknowledge if you did something wrong and try to do better. Mm-hmm. I feel like that should be the whole fucking chapter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's like, first you look at her like this, yeah. and then you're just like, oh, for fuck's sake, like, yeah. so many men are just like, maybe this is it. <laughs> you know? like, we're so desperate. We'll buy, we'll buy a thousand books on the subject. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a cut
1: vision here. I have read a book uh, called... She
0: comes first. Oh, he I he recommended this actually. Well. Yeah, yeah. I read half of it as well. And <laughs> <laughs> she did not come first. <laughs> Halfway through. She didn't come. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't.
1: It's all about the technique of kunilingus like
0: yeah. in, in
3: how many A lot of detail.
1: It's about. Five five hours on the audible. Five hours audio. Pretty yeah. solid. Yeah, yeah. It goes in a lot of detail, and my my yeah. ex really appreciated that.
2: Yeah, yeah well that's the <laughs> definitely appreciated. Yeah. That. no, that's the weird thing is that that's the other side of the coin. Like that doesn't make me pissed off at all. I'm just like that sounds like a great resource.
1: Yeah, cause cause you know the
2: thing is like.
1: I don't fucking have one of these things. I don't know. <laughs> what
3: feels good? <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Wait,
0: wait. this is like this is like young Samim. I don't have one of these things. Just like, please God, please God, please
2: God. <laughs> Do you have memories of this? Like, was it terrifying to be because of the religion thing? Is the religion thing exciting for you or terrifying for you? you like about my first sexual experience.
0: You'll tell me about it. Yeah, of okay. course. Yeah. I'll tell you anything. <laughs> out with it. <laughs> out with oh it. God. Um, religious thing. Uh, yeah, it was freaking scary, man. Yeah, it was extremely scary. It was. It was. Actually, no. It Are was... you talking
1: when you went to Athens?
0: Oh yeah, it happened in Athens. this was previous. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um. What was interesting to me was that it was less scary than having my first drink. Mm. Because maybe it's to do with like you to study the brain. I do. I, I think with alcohol, you know, it, it takes a while for it to completely take over. You know, whereas with sexual arousal, it was more like, um, oh, like guilt, guilt, like oh shit, like this is bad, this is bad, this you're is bad, in. and then it's like you're in, and then it's like, like it was, it's like a. You know, in pilots, it's like it just takes over. Yeah, it's like it's like the AI took over the, the steering wheel, and then you just you just the so rest. It, just
2: it's like in the, the flirting and the sort of like all the ritual leading exactly. up leading to the event. That's where the conflict was. Exactly. And Then
0: it was like, this is gonna happen, and you're like, I don't know, I
2: don't know. Okay, I can do this. Yeah. <laughs> like, he,
0: yeah. like, you put it like very well said. Like for me, it's. The religious uh, like inhibition—it mm-hmm. happens, like literally. Harris says, "I had my first girlfriend when I was seventeen, which yeah. I was still a little bit religious. I was too scared to hold her hand. She was my girlfriend. This is seventeen, but people have sex when they're like fifteen in Australia. Yeah. I was seventeen, and I was too scared to hold my girlfriend's hand. Yeah. <laughs> like that just goes to show—it's—it's it's the little flirtatious." Like outward showings of any attraction. form of sexual attraction, mm-hmm. and now, of course, I've come a long way. But I'm saying, like, that's where I started. Yeah. that's where started I
1: started. From, <laughs> started
0: from the bottom now. Started from the bottom now. Yeah, that's just yeah. where I started, and it's it's all to do with. But once the hormones kick in, then it's that's it's fine. Like, <laughs> which god? What god? Who? <laughs> 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 what was his name again? I forgot. Right. Um, and how
2: about, like, uh, remorse and guilt afterwards? Remorse and guilt.
0: Well, this is the thing. I, like, when I left religion, I was, like, what? Like, it was end of my 17s. I was 18. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't have any sexual experience until I had fully processed leaving religion. Yeah. Like, I just couldn't. It's like, you can't feel remorse for something that you just don't do because it's just those internal drives to stop me were so strong that just wouldn't do it until I resolved it you know through life experience through therapy through whatever and then now it's like there's remnants of it but it's not enough to bother me because it's just taken over by like fuck you fuck the universe I mean
2: that that just seems
0: uh, amazing to me that you know that you feel
2: easy saying you know it's no big deal now. Mm. It's incredible. That's mm. it. the, the, those habits, those habits, the they go deep, right? They go real deep. They're not easy to change.
0: So, I mean, you must have done Did sh- you do a, sh- like a shitload of focused work on it? Uh, like a shit ton, like yeah. like if I think that the greatest thing which I recommend to everyone out there is leaving your hometown yeah. when you turn 18. Yeah. Like like you like I cannot emphasize how important that was to my personal growth. You know, because if you want to rebuild your identity, rebuild who you are, find who you are, you cannot do it because you have so many associations in your hometown to people, to environments, to stimulus, that it's just, it's like a, it's impossible to win that battle. Mm. So I think moving, and also, I have to give a shout out to my sister, uh, my oldest sister who I'm planning on having on the pod. She's a clinical sexologist. No oh,
3: shit. Sure.
0: Um, and she really like that can yeah I'm going to say this on the pod when I was 15 <laughs> when I was 15 she this is when I was like when I was 15 is the peak of my religiousness peak you were super into god then. like in, in, in my in my religion when you're 15 you reach spiritual maturity yeah so you actually have a reaffirmation like celebration so you actually signed a piece of paper in front of all my friends and family saying that I believe in this religion yeah 15 was peak and my sister sent me an email on my 15th birthday, saying, ah, Samim, you're my little brother, blah, blah, blah. You're about to become a teenager and you're gonna go through a rollercoaster of emotions. And she literally wrote in this email, she's like, masturbation is totally healthy, totally normal, everyone does it, and she's like, yes, even dad and your brother masturbate. And she's like, you know, you're gonna go through heartbreaks, and it was like a really, really touching email. Mm. and I didn't have any men in my life (coughs) to have this conversation with me because it was so taboo and I actually hated her for sending me that email for like three years like I I had so much resent for sending me that email Mm -hmm. like
2: because it eroded something about your religious belief because
0: it it didn't erode that for you it, it it that was the first moment where I was like like it it just it made me curious because I was like, wait, what? M- masturbation? What the fuck is that? <laughs> I swear to God. And, and I literally. I went, wasn't
2: even thinking about this shit until this fucking letter. Exactly.
0: Yeah.
2: exactly. Yeah. exactly. So, this wasn't something that was on my mind.
0: <laughs> literally. And then I, I remember I went to school like the next day and I was like, guys, does like, everyone masturbate? I, I literally went after every single guy in my grade. Like, like at least like 70 guys. Like I did, like proper like the sample size was big enough. And I was like, Do you guys masturbate? They're like, oh fuck yeah, man, of course we do. And and they're like, have you? And I was like, no. And they're like, oh bro, like when you go home tonight, you gotta do it. It's the best thing ever. And I was just like I was like, What? And anyway, that started off and anyway, and let's just say, just to like wrap up the story, I was very curious and eventually I explored it and I went through like two years of like immense guilt yeah. and shame yeah. and I blame my sister for opening this Taught. door these thoughts um, and, and it played a big role like my sexual urges played a big role in me being motivated to leave religion like I just have to like put that out there right, right.
1: yeah so now with, 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 with where you are now do you think that email was helpful or harmful for you
0: Oh, helpful, 100%. Okay. Like, like, there's so much truth in my sister's words. And even now, I have such an open relationship with her that I can talk about, you know, any questions I have regarding sexuality. And I am a very sex-positive person today, and I've overcome a lot of my shame around sex because of my sister. Mm -hmm. Like, the fact that I can sit here on something that will probably be, like, accessed by anyone... And I can talk about my sexual experiences, and mm. and that's something that I'm really grateful for. What well, what
2: is like one example that comes to mind when you think of uh, like a predisposition or belief you have about sex that your dialogue with your
0: sister has sort of, you know, changed? changed. Yeah. Um, I think a, a very big one, probably the most, the biggest one that comes to mind is my predisposition that sex is purely for reproduction or sex is purely for something to for a married couple to have and my sister introduced me to this idea that sex is the 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 core job of sex is to bring pleasure you know and and this whole idea of now i can be very open-minded to be like as long as there's consent if it brings pleasure then it's okay you know, whether that's in a homosexual you know, <clears throat> sexual interaction, whether that's in kink and BDSM. Why, why, why are you making eye contact with me? <laughs> <people>? Are <laughs> you trying to tell me something? <laughs> <laughs> look, maybe like... We're putting look, all the breadcrumbs it, the the bread the the in, in there, man. It, yeah, yeah,
2: it's late, no one's in the office. You've got to too much whiskey. I'm having a drink. drink.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Masswood's, Masswood's erotica got me around. <laughs> 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 oh my God. But no, yeah, and, and I think it's the idea of pleasure being at, yeah. at, at the root of it, and, and that's what I do. Like, if, if I have like sexual interactions with anyone, okay. I, I, like, girls are just so shocked as to how I can just be so chill, and uh, the reason is because I'm like, there's like there's nothing to be ashamed about. Like, I've kind of girls I'm, are shocked that you can be so chill. What does that mean? <laughs> like, there's
2: a way of hearing that when it just sounds like you're being kind of a dick.
0: No, 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 no. Let me Let me clarify. So it's the idea of being chill in the context of um, if, if the other person has strange kinks or, or, yeah. or strange things they're into, Yeah. the fact that I can... Like, I genuinely don't get bothered by them yeah. because I'm like, the whole point of sex is pleasure and if this brings you pleasure, then it doesn't matter if it's weird Yeah. because it's just me and you and we're just in this private space so like I've, I've come such a long way where it's like you just the idea that people would be shameful about this just doesn't make sense to me anymore because mm. yeah. it's like if there's pleasure there's pleasure like we're here for pleasure like why else are we here we're not here to conform to society's norms so it's like, like yeah just yeah it makes sense yeah yeah so so
2: um what is your view of polyamorous relationships or
0: um non-monogamous relationships and are you interested in them? Um, So I guess my view I'll start with interest so I think I am interested in them Mm. and I do think that it's something that I personally I might go as far as saying I aspire to Really? I don't think I can and and, and I my inability to be polyamorous I see it more as a weakness than, than, than something to be proud of um I, I think the idea of monogamy is quite traditional and outdated uh, you know I think I think when the idea of monogamy was introduced by religion people used to die at the age of 30 <laughs> religion sorry <laughs> <laughs> if I got a d- if I gave you a dollar for every time I said religion um no but, but people used to die at the age of 30 you know and, and it's like that was those are the traditional contexts that monogamy was introduced and now we live for such a long time. So it's like, how can we be with one person? How can one person like, sexually please us or we can sexually please them for our entire life? It's, it, it, it sounds like a fairy tale. It doesn't sound real to me. I, I'm i gonna cut in there and say I
1: have a lot of friends. I know a lot of people who are in their 70s and 80s. And a lot of them are very fulfilled with the one part that Completely. So, it's a, great. so, but, 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 you're saying it's a fairy tale, as in, it doesn't happen. But I have, I've seen a lot of anecdotal evidence of it happening. So that's why I'm saying I don't know if it's a fairy tale, is a bit of an exaggeration, maybe on that.
0: I'm still skeptical to what you said, just because it's, it's, it's the idea of like, if you really want to y- compare, mm-hmm. you, know, you have to take data points from every single day. Yeah. You know, and you have to take dollar points for the whole lifetime. You know, if they have a good sex life at the age of seventy, that's great. Maybe they had ten years in their fifties where they didn't have sex at all. Mm. Like we don't know. You know, and all I'm saying is, it's like if you really want to talk about what's more natural, I think polyamory is probably more natural. You know, I I do see the benefits of monogamy. Like, don't get me wrong. I think we live in a society, and in this society, you can prosper more in a monogamous relationship. Um, and, and there are definitely benefits, don't get me wrong. But I but I, I am interested by polyamory. Mm. And, and I do think it makes more sense mm. than monogamy. And and the only thing that holds us back is society in my opinion. But you're saying that you, you feel like there might be something going
2: on with you that sort of disqualifies you from trying it? Like what is it, jealousy or
0: not, something else? Not jealousy, it's it's I think this is where my religious deprogramming I, I haven't been able to get. The yet. limits of the like, This is the limits. Like I might be very open minded, but this is something where like like it it activates very old sensations of shame. Where like if I was in a polyamorous relationship, I, I feel like I would feel revolted by myself. I would feel shameful to even tell my dad. Like, like it, it, these feelings, I went through when I was, like, 19 and fresh out of religion. And I don't want to face these feelings anytime soon. So, I'm just going to avoid polyamory for the time being. <laughs> hey, how did you avoid
2: <laughs> so, so
1: So, once again, once again, it comes back to avoiding uncomfortable temptations. You know, we've it's, it's, it's gone, yeah. gone full circle. Yeah, powerful motivator, for
0: sure. No, it is. It is. And I, I don't know if that answers your question, but, like, it's interesting. Yeah. what
1: about you Matt yeah. what do you what is your sense on that
2: well um, I think it's very interesting um, I, I don't you know m- my view is that monogamy makes probably it seems like it's probably easier given our society at the moment um, but I also think that the non-monogamy approach has never been more doable than it is today like it's just more and more people are, like the, the, the span of sexual behaviors and, and relationship ideas that young people especially are willing to engage in just seems enormous at the moment, bigger than it's ever been. So um, if you're gonna try it, I feel like now's the time. Um, I think that like from a personal perspective, I think that I also grew up with a great deal of shame and self-worth issues, um, maybe stemming from religion, maybe stemming from just, luck. you roll the dice, you get what you get, and here's my my DNA, right? Um, But, you know, I have historically had basically been limited to relationships. That's where I express myself romantically, sexually, that's like I'm a very monogamous person. I find somebody, I fall in love with that person, I have a relationship with them. Three years later, I break up with them. So I'm also very, I'm also very, um, you know, evasive of commitment. Mm. So I've got my own set of, 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 uh, maladaptive qualities, right, that prevent me from spreading my genes. Well, at least raising the children from which I spread my genes. But um, so, yeah, I, I think that somewhat recently, since you know, I think more than ever. It, polyamory and non-monogamy has been in the culture more. It's, it's given me exposure to it. And I've never participated, but uh, just recently I got to the point where I think that if I wasn't in a monogamous relationship, which I am currently in a monogamous relationship, that I'm very happy in, it seems like the best, it seems like the healthiest relationship I've ever been in, which is, well, which is very good. Um, it's like I just feel my whole, like all the things I want to work on as a person, this relationship is helping me work on those things. Mm. And it feels like the reverse of that is true for my partner. So that just seems like if you're going to have an honest relationship, that's the way to do it. I'm very happy with it. Yeah. But like if something were to happen there, and like typically what's happened in the past is when a, a long-term relationship has ended, I have mourned for several months of solitude. Sometimes a year alone. I'm just a very solitude liking person. Um, I eventually will realize that that's too long to be alone as a human being. I feel quite lonely. I'm like, wow, well, it's really been a year since I've spoken to a girl. How about that? <laughs> and like, <laughs> I'll then just get out there a little bit. I'll just put myself out there and talk to somebody at a coffee shop or, or whatever. And that will usually lead to like a brief relationship or two, followed by a serious relationship with somebody that I meet shortly thereafter. So I haven't really had a lot of... I guess what I what I think most men I feel like the male experience is you go out there and you like get laid as much as you can. Yeah, like, is yeah, that that yeah. kind of like real, real? You know, you're you're keeping a tally of like yeah. a, a, a whatever body count, the body count. The body count. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't have a terribly impressive body count because um, it's just not it doesn't appeal to me. It's, my body is not built that way. But now I think with mindfulness practice and just getting older and just you, you just deal with more shit. Like you get more awareness of all of the habits that drive you. I think that I, I might actually explore a polyamorous relationship if, if I were not to be in a monogamous relationship, I might just give it a try. Mm. There's many things that I really like, right? I really like, like if you're not quite ready, you just do not feel ready to be in a monogamous relationship or you want to build like an empire with somebody but you also wanna be deeply honest and vulnerable and you wanna connect genuinely. You wanna have a real relationship, but with the knowledge that this isn't, I'm not gonna have kids with you, I'm not gonna marry you, this isn't gonna last more than three months, I just want this to be real for the time that it's real. I think I've tried to do that in the past and I usually end up hurting girls and myself in the process.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I'm, I, I, I'm quite curious now that like, I think a polyamorous type relationship might actually be a way to do that mm-hmm. with less pain. Because you enter into it and everyone's already it's like everyone's already spread out in their various networks of, of love. And I'm just saying, cool. like, look, I just want a loving, open, you know, mm. like, and all I have to do is overcome jealousy. Like somebody else is going to be fucking this girl and, or many other people is going to be. And is that going to be, mm. I, you know, I'm a biological male entity. I'm going to experience jealousy. So will that be too much? Mm. And I think that a younger me, it would, there's no way a younger me could have handled it. But I think now I probably could
0: which is ironic because i have no desire
2: to anymore so. yeah <laughs> yeah but I, I actually have a
0: question i have a question as to do you, like because w- when you were phrasing that you know yeah. i think it's quite convincing but mm. is the reason that you think the polyamorous relationship is leading to less pain is it yeah. because if you were to break up with that person they have the other person to lean on is it is it the like damage control that makes it appealing mm. That's a very, very interesting
2: question. I think there's a bit of lazy thinking on my behalf there. I I haven't really done due diligence there. I I think it just feels to me intuitively like it would be less painful. And maybe it's because there's a support group, but, like, you're right, man. Like, maybe it's the case that... (laughs) You you sexy man. (laughs) Uh, Maybe maybe it's the case that... uh, Maybe it's the case that, like, they're they're in polyamorous relationships. I mean, the idea behind polyamory, not just ethical non-monogamy, is that they're in multiple loving relationships, and if I want to go love somebody for three months and then bail, they might be like, "That's not love, dude," and that might hurt no matter what,
0: mm. right? So I could just be like, "But
2: I thought you were polyamorous." They'd be like, "God, you suck!" <laughs> you know? No, no, no. I, I get what you're
0: saying, and, <laughs> yeah. I, and I think your like that statement is important, but I do think like intuitively you would like at least even for me, I I, I similar I, I think we share this feeling of I have a Deep fear of hurting people yeah, more know. than myself. Like, I like I remember to. the girl I was with previously. Like, I told her I was like, if I get hurt, I don't, I don't care. Like, I, I'm a big boy. Like, I'll, I'll get over it. Like, I'll just go to the gym or something. Like, <laughs> like, like <laughs> that, worked, yeah. that's fine. Yeah. But I was like, like the the maybe it's the guilt or the shame or the yeah. the, the feeling of knowing you have hurt someone you love. That feeling. Just makes me super uncomfortable more than actually feeling pain myself. Yeah, Yeah. that's a pretty painful feeling. 100%. So, so like, polyamory is kind of an antidote to that feeling, maybe it sounds like. I don't know.
2: Well, I think that's the intuition, but like, the the, the more carefully I
0: think about it, the less that seems to hold up. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, of course. No, but intuitively, because like that is. Just don't think too hard. Yeah, it's good. Because you you said the whole thing about like commitment, you know, and, and, and I share your feeling of like, one of the reasons I fear commitment is knowing that I can hurt someone. So it's not like, oh, I don't want to get committed because I don't want to get my own feelings hurt. Yeah. But at this stage, I'm like, fuck my feelings. Like It's probably good. It will be good for me to get my feelings like hurt. Yeah. But it's like, that is what's stopping me. And, and actually, I, I don't feel like we talk about it enough as a society to be like, we say, like, oh, you have commitment issues.
1: But
3: I
0: think it comes from a deep place of immense empathy.
3: Mm.
0: And I don't know. What do you But think? but a lot of a lot of things you do can
1: can hurt people, some consciously, some unconsciously. Like go through list of things that you do throughout your day. Like like I don't know, maybe you're driving and you cut someone off and maybe that person at that moment is just having a really shitty day and they just fucking get so angry and road rage, right? So you you've somehow in, in some way hit that person, right? So like if you if you just like stop stop and just like I don't want I want to ensure I don't hit anybody at all, you're just gonna be locking yourself up in the room.
0: No, I I, I disagree, and, and the reason I say I disagree is there's something about being the devil in someone's life. There's something about like like. It's not like, oh, that person did something to hurt me. It's like you are the cause of all of the pain and suffering in that person's life for the next three months.
1: But is that, is that really ever true?
0: Maybe. Maybe I'm, a, maybe I'm just a shit person or something. No,
1: no, no. I mean, I mean like, even, even in a case where someone says that, is that really true? Or is it just that they're looking for a scapegoat for all their problems, and uh, that person seems like a likely candidate, like they can sort of sort of like it's a very feed, good point. feed the bill for for that. Like I don't think that's ever really true. Like yeah. surely they like that's a good point. There there could be some problems with that person that has come out of them, but I almost always got gar- My my belief is every time shit goes down in a relationship, it's never just one person's fault. 99% of the times. Right. 99% of the times. There's 1%, leave that 1% aside, 99% of the time, I've said something, you reacted in a way, I react to your reaction, you react to my reaction, and being this yeah. any shit, shit shit storm. Yeah. And any, either of us could have reacted differently at like 50 different points mm. to not get to this shit storm, but we didn't. The so the onus is on you as much as it is on me.
0: Wow. That's touching man. That's really touching. Like
1: that's what yeah. what I learned from my, my relationships. It's always it's always both of us. It's never hey, it's never me, it's always both of us. Always. It's always been both of us.
2: Yeah. That seems to me to be unequivocally true. Yet my personal experience is one of having immense fear. Not like just the story. It's like I'm very much with you. Like I felt the way that you're describing since I was your age, essentially. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's like now I recognize the wisdom of what you're saying, and it seems very true. But the thoughts that arise and the feelings that arise mm. that are there to be with are ones of of fearing that you're gonna be that devil person. I'm the devil.
1: Yeah, mm. essentially.
2: I wonder if it's really. You mentioned something to me the other day, man. That like I, I just feel similar, right? Where you were, you were, we were talking about like how. Difficult it can be when somebody's like, "Hey, you remember when you expressed this thing to me and like that really hurt my feelings?" and You're like, "I never said that shit." Yes, <laughs> yes. Is it a similar feeling that, to this? Like, uh, like
0: hundred percent, hundred yeah What's the story? Okay, so yeah. yeah. so yeah. I, I was pretty much telling Matt of uh, one of the hardest things for me in a relationship is when when your partner comes up to you and says, "Oh, like what you said to me the other day really hurt me." And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, I literally never did that. Like, that actually never happened. And, and I, and I like, literally, I "I promise I'm not gaslighting. Like, I like to think I have this illusion, whether it's correct or incorrect, that I'm a very thorough person, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, if I say something, I'll admit that I said it. If, I, if it never happened, it never happened. Anyway, that justification is irrelevant. But what we were talking about with Matt is when the other person says you did something to hurt them and we have this reaction to be like no no no
3: mm-hmm. when
0: maybe that's not helpful maybe mm-hmm. that's not useful mm-hmm. or adaptive in any way mm-hmm. and it's about calming that response yeah. mm-hmm. i was i was pointing out like when you when you
2: mentioned the story so i've had similar experiences i have in certain ways and i have very very unkind uh reactions to things and this this is one of those cases right mm-hmm. so it's like and it's such a strange thing to reflect on because uh, on one hand, the the experience is like, this is crazy. Like I never, I, I, I never said that. I don't think that now, and I can't imagine ever thinking that. Like, where's this coming from? <laughs> yeah. um, it just feels very alienating and alone. And you're just Being like attacked. It's sort of sort of attacked. It's very and it causes these strong reactions, right? But it's it's bizarre because it's like, well, hang on, like who who's doing this to you? It's like, oh, the person that I care most for in the world. It's like, well, then why is it your reaction, like? oh my God, I'm so sorry that you feel that way. Like, I never meant to give you that impression. I don't know how you got it. Like, how can I help? It's like, mm. <laughs> the reaction ought to be compassion. Yeah, Yet the defend, yeah, there's a the defense that yeah. you're just like, ouch, you're like, I don't think that. And it's so you start exactly. to get, yeah. This is
1: exactly <laughs> yeah. what I meant by saying the onus yeah. is on both verses. Yeah, both. Because like, like a similar thing actually happened with me one time that um, my partner told, I've, I've known some, about something And I just decided to pretend that I didn't, but I actually didn't know about it. And so she was like acting towards me as like, why are you, what's wrong? Why are you doing this? And I got defensive. At that point, I still didn't have this ability like to not get defensive. I used to get very defensive easily. Like if you criticized me on something that's like a high value for me, Because I try to live by my values. And if I Mm -hmm. live, I am living by my values. And then you come and say, you did that thing. And that thing doesn't align with my values. That freaking gets my blood boiling, right? So that got my blood boiling. And then I I reacted in a way. And then she reacted and that whole shitstorm happened. But there was many times in those interactions that either party can just take a moment to just See what's happening, just like you said. Like,
2: okay, <laughs> what, is, what is actually going I'm getting going all heated on? right now, Jesus. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly, it's crazy. no. I want to link it back to what Matt said, is about the idea of like, for me at least, it stems from the feeling of like, I am not a bad person. Like, I promise I'm not a bad person. Like, like believe me. And, and it's about the fact that like, someone in it, 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 this, Interaction links to the whole breakup scene of like someone out there thinks I'm a bad person. Yeah. And that is the fear. It's like I don't want people to think I'm a bad person. And even in that interaction is like, well she thinks that I'm a dickhead. She thinks that I'm you know, A B C D E F G. And I I cannot convince her that I'm not because I don't even remember the thing that happened. And that's the discomfort. You know, because if if, if I upset someone, you know, I can accept responsibility, and they can understand that, oh, it was a misunderstanding, no hard feelings. But when you can't accept responsibility, then you stay in the limbo of maybe she thinks I'm a bad person, and that's the discomfort. Can I, so
1: one thing that, I have a question. Why is it so important for you so if, if you know you're not a bad person, if you know you haven't done the, the thing or whatever, why is it so important for you that other people don't think you're also a good person? Like why is other people's perception of you so valuable for you?
0: I think it's a great question. Um, my automatic response, I don't know if I have a good enough response to this, but this might just sound bullshit, but. I, the thing I value the most in life is people's trust. Mm. You know, I, I think when people trust you, lots of beautiful things happen. And maybe it's that if I'm portrayed as a good person, I'm more likely to get the thing that I want, which is trust. Like to me, trust is like a commodity. Like I value trust more than money. And I like to think that I use people's trust you know in a good way and i don't misuse the trust but there's a feeling of ecstasy i get when people trust me and it's about chasing that which if i'm a bad person i don't get that commodity that i see if you're being
1: perceived as a bad person
0: if i'm being perceived as a bad person people will be less likely to trust me and therefore i don't get the commodity that i seek mm-hmm.
3: okay
2: Yeah, that's very that's very interesting, I find that that resonates with me a a decent amount. It's a weird one for me as well. It's a sort of many sensations come up when I when I think about this. Um, One I think is that there just is there is a biological imperative for Mm -hmm. the sensation, Mm -hmm. right? Like if you're in like a fucking group of people, and one of them's like, "This dude's a fucking dick." then like, your position in that group of people is threatened, and like mm-hmm. that could be—that's bad for you, <laughs> right? Yeah. So I think evolutionarily, that yeah. could have been best. Yeah, I think so. It does sort of make sense that there would be this mechanism in place, but I, I do get the sense that there's some extra stuff happening for some of us. For me, I think there's extra stuff. It sounds like for some of them as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the the trust is very interesting because for me, yeah, it's poorly thought out, but I feel like. It's also about my ability to trust them as much as it is about wanting them to trust me. It's, like a, it's almost like that creates a sense of safety. Mm. Not mm. sure what exactly I'm afraid of, right? But it feels like
0: something bad is gonna happen. If they perceive you as a bad person. Yeah. Mm. Ah, yes. Yeah. Yes. yes I'm sure, yes. it comes back
2: to religion. Yes. Yes. That yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. much I feel sure no. now. Get <laughs> it, get I mean, you know,
0: Bring it back, David. <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't know how this links to religion, but, but I really resonated with the idea of the, the discomfort. Yeah. Because it, it brings me back to being a kid. You know, when you do something wrong, and you're like, "What's the punishment?" And I personally like like I love my dad. You know, I think he's an amazing dad. But one thing that he used to do fucking piss me off, is guilt-tripping. Yeah. Which I think is a very common thing in my culture. Where it's, like, it's like, we were never punished. We were never like, my dad never hit us. You know, but there were times when I wished he had hit us. Because it's like, oh, it's okay. No, it's like, you do something wrong, my dad's like, it's fine. No, it's fine. No, it's, it's okay. It's fine. It's just, you know, next time when you want that thing, you know. like, <laughs> like it's, it's like fucked up, like psychological manipulation. Yeah. But it's about... I actually, like now that you've brought the, this up, it makes me think of my own fear of, and I'm like maybe it's because I have immense discomfort in the feeling of not knowing what the punishment is. Mm-hmm. You know, interesting. There's, interesting. So it's like when if a girl perceives me as being bad, then I'm on a constant, I'm on the edge, because I don't know what is the punishment for this behavior. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, that immense discomfort is what I avoid because if she's like oh fuck you I'm breaking up with you it's like okay that's fine but it's that like limbo Mm -hmm. and that's the uncertainty the uncertainty of punishment yeah that is deeply 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 traumatizing for me that's fascinating yeah Yeah. shit (laughs) I'm like learning about my own life
2: (laughs) (laughs) well it'll be very I'll be very curious to hear how that story sort of Sits with you over the next weeks.
0: Hmm. It, it still feels true. Yeah. The
2: uncertainty. Yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. Well, Interesting one. But I think, look, at this stage, we can. I just want to open it up to you guys to say, is there any like last things that you guys want to say before I wrap it up? Like, is there something about the topics we've talked about? Or is there another topic, like drugs or something, you want to quickly touch on? <laughs> I don't think there is a topic that can be quickly touched on. That's oh. true. That's true. But anyway, like last thoughts, last remarks. Yeah. Anything? Anything to say? I mean, lots to say. I mean, it's been uh, a pleasure, uh, as, as
2: it always is, to have conversations with <laughs> the two of you. Um, there are many things that, like, I'm aware of in each of your belief systems and lives and future plans and things. I'd love to hear more about. Uh, I'm looking forward to future episodes. You know, I want to hear about. I want to hear about the drugs. I want to hear about the altered nice. states of consciousness. I want to hear uh, where things head. But nice. For now, I mean, I think that was a very vulnerable, deep conversation. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks a lot for coming, Matt. I know, I know, you're quite busy, but you made time for us. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: Actually, look. Now that we're at the end of the episode, I think it's, I think it's appropriate, to just say Matt is a very smart man. He is um, actually one of my lecturers. I am. And now he is, I would say, my friend. I am that as well. Um, and I'm deeply grateful to have Matt in my life. And I'm deeply grateful to be able to have these vulnerable conversations with zero judgment. There's zero judgment in this room. Um, and yeah, even Masud, or Maz, <laughs> as he likes to be called. Like, any, any last remarks?
1: No, it was good, good, good first episode of the podcast. I'm looking forward to
2: keeping this going. Here's here's an idea. Did um did anybody's mind get changed or close to changed on anything over the last hour or two that
0: we've been doing this? Definitely, definitely. Like I like. Can I just clarify to the listeners? I've drank a glass of whiskey and nearly all of my beer, which was three standards. I'm pretty tipsy right now, and I'm a bit emotional. I think the last conversation did hit a like it hit the note for me, mm-hmm. which I'm gonna go home and meditate and reflect on. But I do think that that was a deeply vulnerable conversation, and even even the the link between fear of being perceived as bad and my childhood traumas mm-hmm. that was something that I didn't know existed. So I think that's something I really value from this conversation and mm. something I'll, I'll be reflecting on in the coming weeks. But yeah, what about you, asked?
1: I think for me, the, the part about... The part before you talk, started talking about the fascist stuff,
0: right? <laughs> 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 The fascist stuff. Nazi uh, German. Before I, before I accuse you of being Nazi, before before I was called a Nazi. Um,
1: no, I think that whole conversation. Uh, I found that it sort of stretched my perspective a little bit. Mm. Like it's just a little bit more wider my perspective on yeah. that. So I think that's 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 how my mind changed in that conversation. Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah, I'm also struck by Maz um, being a bit of a Nazi. That was surprising to me. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. I realized we had so much in common. Oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I guess I have recently also been playing a little bit with uh, what religion is, mm-hmm. what faith is, and if I'm as atheist as I say I am. I think I am. Pretty sure I am. I, I'm not like I wouldn't say I'm considering. To see if it was over or whatever, but like. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But um, I just think I've been more and more thinking about the faith, the similarities to faith-based practices that have been helpful to me in the meditation practice. Like very often, the most difficult things to be mindful of, I've managed some semblance of mindfulness through surrender. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And surrender feels sort of like faith. It is like faith,
0: kind of. Oh no! I don't know, man. You <laughs> spot something <laughs> in my brain, man. And, 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 so and do no. that,
1: Actually so one one thing that I that we sort of like I wanted to talk about that we didn't get to talk about is you know how you talk about faith and it being dangerous and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. So I actually wanted to just touch on how important faith is at the same time. So think about Matt, you you, you do research, right? Yeah. If you had no research is a lot about uncertainty, right? You don't know You don't know what you're gonna find. You have some hypothesis, you go in there, but you're doing that because you have some sort of faith, right? If you didn't have some sort of a faith that you would find anything, you wouldn't go
2: looking. Mm, That's interesting. Um, I can see, I probably would say it it differently, but I think I get what you're getting at. But
1: like, if I I didn't have faith that by going to the gym and eating healthily, yeah, I do become fitter or healthier, I wouldn't do it,
2: yeah, 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 yeah. But you don't. You don't exactly have to have faith because, like a whole bunch of people before you, have done that exact shit and had the same but, thing. But but, but,
1: but, but but what if what if when, when the thing becomes a little bit more niche? Yeah. So, for example, yeah. uh, like if if you want to build something, if you want to, yeah. if you want to change yourself. Yeah. You know, if if yeah. one day you wake up and you're like, you know what? I don't like who matters. is yeah. For whatever reason. And you you want to change yourself. If you don't have faith that you, it's uncertain. You don't know if you can. I think you don't know yeah. if
2: you will succeed. Yeah, I think the strange juxtaposition here, like that the connection between surrender and faith, that I think you're you're elaborating on, it's a bit of a strange one because because faith, to me, when I hear that word, it almost carries this connotation of, like the, I would finish the sentence with, "I have faith that something good will happen." Uh huh. But I don't think it necessarily has to be that. Like, I think that my, again, I mean, for me, the closest to home is these moments in meditation where there's been some very unpleasant sensation, some very traumatic event I'm processing, or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. And there's this moment of just recognizing I am not going to think my way out of this. Mm -hmm. Just, here it is. Give into it, right? And there's mm-hmm. there's faith in it in sort of in a certain sense there's faith that if I give but into you this, into it, it will go. Yeah, but it's weird something. because I can't. Yeah, you know, I'm not really giving in. It's not really doing a thing in order to make this bad thing go away. Mm-hmm. It's not gi- doing it. It's giving up. Yeah. you're just giving up. You're just saying mm-hmm. you're just fuck it. And that's what reminds me of God.
3: Mm-hmm. Shit. You're
2: just like I. I give up. Shit. I need help. I give up. Nothing is working. I give up. Whatever is gonna happen, just I'm done doing anything. Just and there's something. Sort of mindful about that, sort of mm-hmm. about that. Mm-hmm. And I guess there's little micro examples in like research and stuff when you're just like, well, I don't know what's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna just, I have to make a choice, and I'm gonna give up on needing to know for sure mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. happens. Um, yeah, it's sort of brand new
0: stuff for me to think about. I'm not really totally sure about it, but, but it, like, did, it does feel, yeah. sorry. Go I was just gonna mention that like surrender resonated with me, yeah. like when you said faith, I was like, oh no, faith, bad, religion. But when you said surrender, it's like, in my few psychedelic experiences, surrender was at the theme of it. It's like, the moment you surrender, it's about surrendering. Like, okay, to a lot of people, it's like, okay, you're having a psychedelic experience, there's hallucinations, there's ego death, there's all these crazy things, and it's really uncomfortable. But The moment you surrender, the the discomfort just fucking goes, because you're like, you're like, fuck it, if I like, it literally gets to the point where you're like, if I die, like I if die. I die, I die. Like which which sounds maybe to some people not as the greatest thing, but it's really liberating. liberating. It's so liberating. Yeah. You get to the point where you're like, oh, yeah, if, if like my arm gets cut you're, off, it gets cut off like. You're you're nailing it, man. Like this is the delusion that we
2: walk around with on a daily basis, is this feeling, this strong belief, this strong sense that we I am a thing that needs to be defended. Mm-hmm. like I am in danger and I am this and I am this ego and I'm important or whatever the case may be and like my approach to dissolving that has been has been um, largely vipassana and some other forms of med- meditation but yeah I could definitely see how like if you if you believe in your core that there's a god and that you're just this you have no power anyway mm-hmm. right so that you can almost appeal it can to... almost That's like a a shortcut. Yeah, you're you're, you're, you're just like, there's a fucking higher power than me. I don't have control over this shit. You know, so it causes you to just relinquish and sit into that stream and just be fucking. Dude,
0: you're blowing my mind.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Holy shit. You're actually blowing my mind. Well, this is the indefense of religion in a certain sense, right? Mm, Like, Mm. a certain use of it, at least.
0: Yeah. It makes so much sense to be like, like when you feel as though you're atheist, you're like, okay, I like when you're atheist, you're like, oh, the universe is just this crazy random thing and I am my own entity. So it's somewhat an egocentric way of seeing the world and you have to constantly protect yourself because because you're like, when you're religious, you're like, oh, it's it's God's plan. Like if I'm meant to die, you know, it's God's plan. Yeah. It's for the net good and then I'll go to heaven, it'll be fine. But when you're atheist, you're like, there's no fucking God's plan. You know, if I don't look after myself, then no one's going to look after me. And you get stuck in these thought loops and these traps, yeah. and that's why we go to things like meditation and psychedelics and whatnot. And you can say that well, if someone is religious, then by default, they become less egocentric. they can be. When I was very, when I was very religious, I think I was actually quite egocentric. Yeah. So that, I think this probably
2: happens more often than that. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah.
0: But but I'm saying we're arguing for the benefit. Things like Sufism, which is more mm. mystical and more traditional than our like common Western religions. Like I, I can see the I can see the benefit. I can definitely see the benefit of, of selflessness and
2: less ego. Yeah. I'm really enjoying this this uh, line of thinking as well because it sort of reminds me of of, of these phrases, these ideas. Like, like it's not just the illusion of self Mm. but it's like the illusion of separateness like you're a separate self that needs to be defended from bad things but what bad things the thoughts that are happening i got to defend myself from these unpleasant thoughts like on the other hand you are those thoughts there is nothing but sensations and that's all there is there's nothing to defend there's no Mm. problem to solve
0: but can you elaborate on that just because i in my head, I'm like, people listening might be like, this is sounding really hippie. It is sounding very hippie. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like... The mushrooms
2: are finally kicking in. G- g- <laughs> <laughs> so no, I'm like, is, is there any defense to the what you just said as to yeah. like,
0: what like to the average person, what the fuck does that mean? To be yeah, like, dude. you are just thoughts. Like, like uh, Oh yeah, I guess that is a pretty weird, slippery pretty idea. Um, like, I just, I just want you to have a chance to defend yourself. Like, like, just yeah. Reevaluate what you just said and make yeah. it less hippy. Yeah, reevaluate what I just said and make it less hippy. That's challenging. Uh, we need like a person who actually does
2: this for a living to do this. But um, I think the idea is that the sort of average person, including myself, ninety nine percent of the time, it sort of feels like I am a thing, and I have a body. I'm not equivalent to my body. Like these are my arms and my legs, I'm sitting in this chair. And like the sort of place where I live is kind of like sort of just behind my eyes. Sort of feels like I'm looking out at the world from this location in space. And it feels, if I'm not paying attention, like the thoughts and the words that I'm saying are, are occurring to me because I chose to think them. I'm the author of my, I'm not here, I had this idea and I'm a genius. And here you go and I'm choosing to say the words. Mm-hmm. The, the alternative perspective is, is to just inquire, well, where is the conscious experience of all of that stuff happening? Right? You can be conscious of your arm in space, but where is that, what does it feel like for that knowledge? To, what does it feel like to be conscious of that knowledge? Well, you're just, there's just a field of consciousness that includes um, every sense modality you have, right? So seeing, hearing, taste, smell, touch, it, that's probably all of them. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also this is the spooky part because when you meditate, like when you do start doing the posture, I think a lot of people you sort of follow your breath, and you start to sort of start to realize that, like, oh, I'm conscious of my breath. Then you start to scan your body. You sort of you can kind of l- learn to direct your attention around, but it still very much feels like you are directing your attention to various sensory experiences. Just like you can direct your attention to your thoughts and you can inquire your thoughts, like, oh, interesting. I just thought about pizza. What happened right before that pizza? And you can learn to pay closer and closer attention to the flow of thoughts and see well, where are they coming from? <clears throat> and eventually you'll notice that they're not, you're not off they're not coming from anywhere. They just appear of their own accord. Just like the itch on your arm just happened out of nowhere. It just sort of occurs of its own accord. Um and so I think like, the place where this leads, depending on your meditation tradition, like how they instruct you, is ultimately to notice that uh, all the things that are appearing in consciousness aren't... Ap- you are not You are not noticing that field of consciousness.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You're not the one observing. You're, in the beginning, you are. You're like, here's my field of consciousness, and my hands are over there, and my, my forehead itches, and I smell pizza and whatever else, and it's all happening to you. But you can then notice that that sense of being a thing, having a field of consciousness, is itself happening in consciousness. All there is, is consciousness. That's that's all there fucking is, that's all there is. And so I think that's what I mean by you're separate from your thoughts, is there's a delusion that you are a separate self and that you, you have to protect yourself from the external world and even unpleasant thoughts. You're trying to defend yourself from unpleasant thoughts or feelings. But that's a lost cause because those thoughts and feelings—that's all there is.
0: You are those thoughts and feelings. So you're saying if I you're didn't make
2: that sound any less
0: hippie at all. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, no. But, uh, <laughs> I think I think it was great because this is a very complicated thing to want to yeah. describe. But, but is, is what you're saying that if you were to avoid those thoughts and feelings, then there will be no you? Is, is that what you're getting at?
1: You will be avoiding a part of yourself. Not that there won't be you. You'll be. It's like you're avoiding part of you. But like you, you, you sort of like mm. limiting your own. Yeah, like you, are limiting how much of yourself you're experiencing.
0: But but then like I, w- I want to link it back to the whole oneness thing. Is like this makes you more. One. If you all all there is is oneness, right? There is not. There is
2: not a subjective
0: experiencer of the world.
2: There is just experience. There is no thing doing the experiencing, and then things being experienced. There is just experience. That's what oneness is referring Mm. to. Very well put. Very well put. No, I think that makes more sense to to me. I don't think most meditation traditions start you off here. Yeah this it. is like In the this end yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, but I mean, you know. I've only tasted this a couple of times and probably it's more of a story I've told myself than it's been a real experience I mean it's
1: I've experienced this once uh, with uh, something called 5-MeO-DMT Please go <laughs> on <So>, uh, <laughs> Yes what, drugs what, what, <laughs> what happens with 5-MeO-DMT is the boundaries the like where you end it uh, starts to expand, and it starts to incorporate the chair you're sitting on. So yeah. you, the chair you're sitting on, you are
2: the chair. You are the you chair, are the chair yeah. you're sitting on.
1: Yeah. As as you are you, your body, you are also this chair, and it yeah. expands further and further. And the person sitting next to you, they also become part of you. but is it your
0: proprioception? Like your proprioception becomes everyone. Like
1: you, like there's no boundaries. Like I don't end. Yeah, it's like when you look so at, like, when you like, feel
2: like you are your arm Like here. You, you
1: feel, you feel like, you feel like your arm is ending here, right? Imagine if the feeling that your arm ends here expanded another meter there, right? Mm. And then Samim is in, in between that. So Samim is now part of me Shit. because he's inside my... That's intense. You can be
2: giving, my, you you can be giving a, a, like a massage one. from over here. You would be like, is that
1: good? <laughs> 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 And then within, within minutes, it was like the entire universe was you. Was me. Shit. And then in that moment, I was nothing. So you kind of oscillate between being everything and being
2: nothing. Because there is no you to be a thing.
1: And then yeah. in some moments, you realize that you are everything and nothing at the same time. And that's a really bizarre experience. It's called <laughs> a non-dual experience. That's mm-hmm. a Rumi thing, right? You can get non-dual experience from different sources. You can get it from meditation. I got it from Father Me DMT. You can get it, like, Rumi has had it. Uh, he probably got there from dancing, <laughs> r- r- writing poems. Or, I don't know. Like, yeah. it, there's, <laughs> a different yeah. there's different ways to get to that experience. But that experience of non-duality, where uh, you are the thing and not the thing at the same time, that experience fundamentally changed how I oh. see the world. So, so could you say you are the
0: subjective and the objective? You, you, you are it and not it at the same time. Like that actually makes sense to me and I'm a bit scared as to why that makes sense to me. I mean, <laughs> that actually makes sense to me. Yeah,
1: it's a, it's, a, it's experience that logically uh, is hard to comprehend. But it's experiential experience. Like once you experience it, you're like holy shit. Is it pleasant? Very pleasant. Yeah. It's one of those like it was like like it's like almost you know how we're talking about faith?
3: Yeah.
1: It's like the ultimate level of faith because you realize if you know you are everything and you are nothing, yeah. you've got nothing to worry about. Yeah. Like because you are everything. Yeah. And also you're nothing.
0: Yeah. Oh my God! No, I think I think
2: that's so powerful because that's not just, that's not a truth born of a diluted drug state, right? That's a truth about how the universe actually is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was revealed to you. In Absolutely, states, right? It's it's available to it's that's available to you right now. Yeah, which is incredibly powerful. That's why the illusion of being like a separate. This is why there's so much. This is why this kind of like non-dual kind of experience can actually be quite therapeutic.
1: Like I remember when I came out of this experience, I was looking at this wall. I was sort of like still a little bit in the experience, but not fully, like I was sort of back in my body. But I was looking at this wall and I was really like, cause I remembered this wall being part of me that memory was still no, 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 no. that memory was Wait, were you like affection no I, I, or? I was just I was just looking at it as if you know like I'm looking at someone I love yeah. wow By the way, this is wow. just bland wall right like I was just looking at it as something with so much love and care and yeah I was and I was just like looking at this wall and I actually had like a few tears come down as well and the, the facilitator who uh, sort of came in sort of like Give me a hug and sort of like, I actually got a photo of this wall, like, I've got this. It's like making me picture up a little bit, honestly. Like I've, got, like, I've, <laughs> got, I've, got, I've got the wall as a, my background, this
2: is the wall of, of body love. <laughs> That's awesome. He's got a picture of the wall, I've, 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 got, I've got a picture of the wall so on yeah. my phone. It's his phone background. background.
1: It's yeah. his phone background. Because I, I always want to be reminded of this because is this good. is a big reminder for me right. that you should even have compassion for this. Yeah. Wow. Because
0: wow. Yeah. It's, it's it's yeah. It's uh, I mean, it was it's, a really life changing experience for me. I highly, highly, highly recommend. So it's it. Like if you, so it's like if you can't, like if you at some stage had that deep of a compassion for a wall, then it's a reminder to you as to like why can I not have that compassion to a fellow human? Exactly.
1: Like if someone,
0: someone's sort of like I don't know,
1: having a anger fit at me for whatever reason. I gotta have compassion for them in that moment. while feeling defensive, involved, feeling like they're attacking me and accusing me. In that moment, I gotta muster up that compassion and say, "This person is literally me, in
2: a
0: sense."
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, it's yeah, pretty wild. Matt and I, we need a fucking wall. <laughs> we need a wall <laughs> so you, you gotta, I guess you gotta bring uh,
2: 5 N-A-O-D-N-T to the next podcast <laughs> yeah. I think all
0: all of that whole thing of being defensive when someone says it, it's like if we had a wall on our yeah. phone wallpaper yeah. that's it. we could just be like ah yeah.
3: if I can love this wall more I'll than my girlfriend text you next time it happens like, I, 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 I need some help <laughs> just see, a send me the wall the <laughs> wall <laughs> it's like it's like girlfriend
0: and then wall it's like if I felt that much love for the wall yeah. then this problem is just nothing
1: yeah,
0: that's it, bro. 5-MU-DMT, yeah, that's the frog sweat,
1: is it? Yeah, there's the, there's a um, so toad called Bufo aloe That's so cool. Uh, so, the toad lives a lot of its time in darkness, and darkness is what produces the substance. So, actually, if you go in a dark place for a sufficiently long amount of time, you will have 5-MU-DMT in your own brain. You don't even need to do it like that.
2: How long is a long time?
1: Which is what I'm trying to, planning to do. So I'm planning to go to Thailand in the dark room retreat for ten days. Yeah. But apparently, after day four, you start to have far premier mm-hmm. DMT in your
0: system. You have to do drugs without but doing I'm drugs. I'm gonna stay
1: there for ten days just to make sure <laughs> I get
2: yeah. as much. Deep experience into it, yeah. so so you can. Is it just is it just through photoreceptors in your eyes that need to be prevented? If like, you blind no, through your skin you, as well, you need your skin as yeah. well.
1: You need to completely not get any light at all. Matt's like, damn, I can't yeah. do it in my room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's really hard to it's really hard to actually have no light. So it's like
0: it's, in, immense darkness, like just you're in darkness for darkness. ten days.
1: Yeah, well, actually, four is enough to get you into. 5MAO DMT, but I want to just do it for 10. Because these are all endogenous,
0: like even something like DMT or ayahuasca, as they call it. Well, endogenous. So endogenous meaning that it's naturally made in the body, in the brain. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And that's why it gets metabolized so quickly because your body knows what to do with it. It deals with it all the time. Shit.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying. You've, you've uh, had some, you haven't done 5MAO DMT, but you've done DMT, right? You smoked it? I have smoked DMT. Based. That is correct yeah and, and it, it, it you, you have as well yeah. no but you yeah. have it, now it is it like a total <laughs> so so uh, many it, times is is the quality of experience like the lessons it can teach you uh, is whatever, absolutely different totally so different uh,
1: uh, even though they as uh, a molecular structure is very similar yeah the experience is completely different 5m you go into yourself yeah. into your like soul or whatever you want to conceptualize as mm-hmm yourself like mm-hmm. your deeper self father maybe takes you there the takes you out into other realms of the universe yeah, in yeah. other yeah. other dimensions yeah. or whatever so that's a that's an outward journey that's
2: an inward journey Oh, interesting mm. same compound just one with an inhibitor one without exactly and, di- and very different like Completely pharmacokinetics right it. so it's metabolized very differently yeah and it just has a totally different experience yeah uh, so cool, man! The brain is so, it's, it's dope. It's a cool place. <laughs> the brain, the brain is the sexiest
0: thing there is. That's how you get girls. <laughs> <laughs> the brain. No, honestly, like you, you go to girls. You're like, oh, what are you studying? You're like, oh, I'm doing psychology and like neuroscience, whatever. Like, oh, can you read my brain? Can you read my mind? <laughs> oh, yeah. What am I <laughs> thinking right now? You're like, I'd th-
2: love to, but clothes really get in the way. No, <laughs> <sorry. laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. I actually, I gotta remember that one. <laughs> <laughs> gonna, I'm gonna, gonna use that. Free, that free. Gonna <laughs> use that next time. And it's like, would that make me more of a bad boy? <laughs> 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 I made I made an inappropriate joke.
1: That that's how you can increase yourself in the X axis. <laughs> <laughs> the X
0: axis is increasing. Oh my god. Oh my god. But yes. No, I love that. I I I think now I'm officially. Like, can I just say? To me, these sorts of conversations are orgasmic. I mean, I, I
1: just told Matt, like, I don't know, before the podcast that Samim has, like, at least about ten orgasms throughout the day. Yeah, no, I stepped I <laughs> stepped, stepped out of the
2: office to get a glass of water
0: and came back into that remark. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, yes, it's
2: gonna be that kind of podcast." Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Why just have orgasm? Like you have like mental orgasms, spiritual oh, yeah. orgasms, everything. Yeah. I mean, even, even when it's stretching, yeah, yeah, I should stretch?
1: take a photo of it. it like, orgasm just stretching. means
0: immense pleasure. I just want to say like I enjoy these conversations so much, like. These uncensored conversations, especially coming from a religion background, like religious background, to be able to talk about anything and everything on the face of the earth with zero judgment, is just so liberating. And I just want to say thank you to Matt Crossley. Sorry, now you know his last name. You can search him up if you want. Google me. Um, Masud. I don't know his last name properly. <laughs> I'm gonna mispronounce it. Katirai. Katirai. Masud Katirai that's it and Maz oh sorry no, no. Maz Maz is his full name if you want to google him and I am Samim Varasta at your service here to help find me and don't find me maybe I'll see you next time maybe I won't till next time goodbye oh, fucking man. fuck let's go go do meditation go do like, meditation celebrate.
1: I was like I was like she's not gonna get <laughs> go to sit down come
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Masturbate> on <her. laughs> <Masturbate her. laughs> masturbation oh my god I want to wrap up, I want to get my religious frustration (laughs) out. I wasn't empathizing with Hitler. Fucking fuck. Anything (laughs) you (laughs) want (laughs) to (laughs) do, you can. Be a professor. Wee, wee.
1: Really, you've spent too much time on (laughs) a (laughs) photo.